right. Welcome back, boys and girls. Welcome to the Ice Hockey Kings podcast, uh, hosted by my, me, Matthew Toombs, and our, my uh, co-host, Sam Gagnon. As you see, we have now added a third member of our Ice, Ice Kings team, Dylan Yamin. Uh, make sure you give him some love on the IG page, at Ice Thank Kings you. podcast. Um, and uh, Dylan Yamin, welcome, brother. Good to have you, man. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this opportunity. Nice. Yeah, we, well, uh, we were talking, uh, T and I, three amigos. Three amigos. Let's get it rolling, huh? Three amigos. Dale, why don't you uh, tell our listeners about a little bit about yourself, uh, a little background. A little bit about me. All right, yeah, man. Here. So I had this awesome opportunity of falling uh, into line with Tombs here. I met him at school, Franklin Pierce. However, he lived By the way, we hated, e- we hated each other in juniors. Yeah, that, almost fought hey, that every could be a good, That's always uh, how it goes in hockey. That could be a good topic to go off of there, Toombs, huh? <laughs> but, yeah, so me and Toombs actually met when I was at prep school. We met on the ice. We'll be played six or seven times at year, T. Oh, yeah, almost fought at least every time we were on the ice. So Toombs was leading the league in PIM, so we already had him on the highlight. So, um, yeah, I stuck my shoulder under him, and now we're best friends. But... <laughs> We ended up falling uh, on the same line at Franklin Pierce, and the rest is history, boys and girls. And now look at us. Now we're starting to flip and podcast together. Yeah. The three amigos. <laughs> yes, sir. Three amigos, fellas. Cool. Well, Dylan, uh, give, us, give us a little hockey background on, wh- on what happened and uh, your, your college career and what happened after that just a little bit. Yeah, so um, coming in as a freshman, I ended up, playing quite a bit of time on the back end. We were a very older team. We had like 20 seniors. So it was a good opportunity for me. I fell right into the lineup and I played a lot. Um, going into sophomore year though, we, I fell into some injury problems with concussions and we know how that goes. So I probably should have taken a lot more time off. Didn't, rushed it. And I wound up right on the bench as a member of the coaching staff at Franklin Pierce for Two seasons, and then after that, I got an opportunity at Walpole uh, in the EHL, and that was awesome. I met great people. The team was awesome. So other than that, I ran skills in, in the Cape with Paul Vincent. That's top-notch. He's, he is just a mind full of wisdom. So just being able to go there, act as a coach, but I was learning just like a player. So that was awesome. Cool, man. Well, good to have you here. Uh, I know uh, we uh, got a lot of talking points today, so uh, let's get rolling. Sammy, go ahead, brother. I mean, the first thing on the docket I had was Lundquist out of New York. Holy cow. End of an era. Dude, end of an era. That man was Lundquist. He's 38 years old. He's the franchise leader in wins, shutouts, and postseason victories. The the man won a Vesna in uh, 2012 and was a finalist four other times. Um, Hank also led uh, the team to the Stanley Cup final in 2014, man. I mean, I, 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 I think I saw it coming because Merzlikens is just that, that good. Yeah. And, but was, even still, dude, letting go of, of the king of New York, like it, that, that was – Yeah, I, I didn't expect that whatsoever. Hey, for a seventh rounder, not bad, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know, man. I, the, I mean – guy's a legend. Dude, it's crazy. I mean – especially these Swedish players that you can get and they're just sleeper picks. Like I know it's two different positions, but you got a guy like Zetterberg 
same kind of deal where he's a late draft pick and ends up being one of the best players of that franchise. You know, it's just, it just speaks a lot of to how good the Swedish uh, hockey is getting and how good their youth programs are and how, how well they're good at developing their players. It's just, it just speaks volumes of how good they are. I mean, Lundqvist for personally for me, it was written on the wall. Like he was, he was going to be on his way out. But the thing is, I thought they were going to play the last year of his contract and just have like a fair weight. Like, I don't know if he was going to retire, just at least play out his contract. He earned that right. Give him that farewell. Yeah, exactly. Give him like, you know what I'm saying? Give him the respect of, but you know, it's a business and especially with COVID-19 things are way different with the cap and teams not making money and they got to be profitable, make some changes. You know, there's a lot of factors that come into play, but all in all, I think it was kind of a tough situation for him. I mean, we don't know what's going on behind doors. Maybe he's thinking, uh, I want to leave earlier and be bought out and go play for any team I want instead of getting Mm -hmm. traded. So we don't, there's, there's different factors we don't know, but all in all, I think it's a great career. I mean, if he called it a quits right now, he'd be the best uh, Swedish goalie to ever live. And he'd be top five best goalies to ever live as well. Yeah, arguably, years, arguably. One squad. Fifteen years, one squad became the king, the, the face of the franchise. I mean, uh, <clears throat> this I saw it coming, but I I'm I'm still struggling to believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sad. so the buyout uh, I'm reading right here. The buyout was five point five million. He had a contract that was. Um, Worth seven years, fifty nine point five million, uh, with a cap hit of eight and a half million dollars. Uh, I mean, so that that kind of loosened up the uh, the NYR's cap hit, mm-hmm. uh, so they they can go ahead and shop around. Rangers uh, will now have thirteen million dollars in cap space. So, uh, I mean, w- w- I <clears throat> let's see what they do here. I, there's a lot of U- UFAs, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, but I mean, with Panarin, uh, them having their, their, the number one draft pick, also something we're going to talk about later. Uh, they have Adam Fox, who is a stud on the back end. Um, am I missing anyone, fellas, who's just absolutely killing it for the NYR? D'Angelo? I would say, I would say New York right. is, uh, is a wagon next year. Well, you got, you got um, uh, Kako that they just drafted. Oh, yeah. And you got to think, I know he didn't have the best year, but I don't know if you saw him a couple of games. When he's on on fire, he, like, you can't stop him. And he's, it's his first year in the NHL, so you, you got to give him some time. I mean, like, that's another um, Scandinavian player coming from the, the, that kind of development. I know it's not Sweden, it's uh, Finland, but still, it, it just – that whole uh, area, Finland, Sweden, even Norway – um, they're do, just doing such great things for development. Finland, in the last couple of years, you probably saw in the World Junior Hockey Championship, oh, yeah. they either either won the tournament or were right up there. Like, they're getting very good. And, um, yeah, I think great things are up ahead for Kako. I mean, and the New York Rangers in, in general. Yeah, the guy's 19. He's unreal. Like, he's playing in the NHL. I'm 24 years old. I'm recording podcasts, <laughs> in, you know, in Connecticut, and I can barely uh, – make a pro a pro lineup, but it, you just, you know what I'm saying? It, this guy, he's on top of the world. He's playing in New York city. One of the better, the best cities in the world. You know, he's, he's, he's pumped. I mean, next year is a great opportunity for them to prove other people wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I think 
Um, if they had played it out this season, uh, it would have been tight for that final playoff spot. But you just saw that with a guy like Panarin, the team was uh, was in the right direction. And you got even Zabinajad that's tearing it up. The Absolutely. whole team, yeah, the team the team looks good. Uh, I'm like like our friend Jimmy Jimmy Morrissey would say. Shout out the Jimmy. boys are rolling. The boys are rolling. And that's his squad too. So yeah. they're for sure rolling. Oh yeah. I, I actually want to retract a statement I said. I said I'm pretty sure is it Merzlikens, right? Is that is that the Rangers goalie? Um, I don't think it is because I'm seeing it's just Sturkin and Gorgiev. Yeah, yeah, exactly those two. I want to I want to retract my yeah. uh, Merzlikens comment, and yeah. they have two very young Russian cap Russian goal prospect goalies. Well, that's the thing they were doing so well. They were doing so well. Why would they need Hank? They're two young guys yeah. on their entry level contract. 24. Exactly. They're on their entry-level contract. They're paying pennies on the dollar. So why pay Hank and his way, he's on his way out. He's 30 years old. Like you've got to think it from the business standpoint. Yeah, 30 years old. I mean, Shesterkin had a record of 10-2-0 with a 9-3-2 save percentage during his rookie season. And he's going, he's into, his final, going into his final year of his entry-level <clears throat> contract at 90, 925K. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy, man. Like, Gorgiev is a restricted free agent, so he'll get we'll, he'll uh, get two million. He'll get two million. Absolutely, and I mean yeah. that that somewhat plays into the factor of New York kind of buying out uh, Lundqvist's contract because the uh, the salary cap hit obviously is eighty one and a half million. So this might play into a factor because I believe Gorgiev is about to come off his rookie contract. Yeah. So if they're looking to keep him around, they gotta they gotta pay him. Well, they're going to do that two-goalie system, for sure, like a bunch mm -hmm. of teams are doing. Absolutely. But, I mean, I mean, New York's looking good. I mean, the future is bright. They're, they got the first, first overall pick. So, I mean, yeah. they're getting Alexis Lafreniere, and they're going to be fucking laughing. So, excuse my French. Excuse my French, but they're going to be buzzing. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I'll uh, have I mean, you pronounce his name later because that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm from Montreal. Play. I'm French. I need to, I need to know it. He's one of those frogs from up Yeah, yeah. Oh. Don't don't say that. We're gonna, we're gonna just lose half our listeners because you just insulted <laughs> my whole family. I got a couple. I, I, I got a minimal French in me. Yeah. Minimal. I learned I want it. To in apologize Britain. to all our yeah. French Canadian. Yeah, you did twelfth twelfth grade French immersion. You know how to say yes, no toaster. No, no. I can say. Yeah, that's not a good word either. We gotta bleep that. Bleep. Bleep. Oh man! Back on All topic, right, boys. Though. To end it on the Rangers, they got tons of space to make moves. Mm -hmm. They got the first pick. Watch out for they, the Rangers. They Jimmy got Morrissey. thirteen million in cap space. They bought out Shattenkirk, Lundqvist, Girardi, and Spooner. So they've got they've got a lot of they've got a lot of decisions they can make. They can put that in a lot of different areas. Yeah, you. If you're thinking, you can have two really good forwards, six million a year, or you can go the route where you get like four or three solid players. It all depends on what you're thinking. I mean, I don't know if they need on the back end. I think they're pretty good. Offensively, they're really good. They've got the two goalies coming up that are uh, very good uh, uh, one-two punch. So, I mean, they might be missing one more all-star, and then they're like a powerhouse. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. If they can get a guy like Patrick Liney, who's kind of on the trade block, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean he he he's up in the air too. I mean, yeah. 
but you got to look at it like this. I mean, the kid's 22. He, and, and speaking of line A, he's 22 years old. He's been playing with a very capable center. Um, I mean, I don't know. He, he's made strides in his, in his uh, two-way game, but he's still got a lot to learn, clearly, uh, if, if uh, the Jets are really looking to put him up. Well, listen, I mean, they signed him only to a two-year contract. They didn't want to give him the amount of money that he thought he deserved. And I'm honestly, like, in the years past – what, did he have like a 50 goal season? He hit something crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, I think so. He's been having struggles in, the, uh, in these past few months, but who hasn't, honestly, at this point? Right. But um, I, I'll go back to the, the finish comment. I mean, you got Kako, who's a Finnish player, and you know that these Finnish players like playing with each other. They play in, uh, with each other in, in youth hockey, they know each other. I think it plays a factor in recruiting this kind of guy but I mean we'll see I mean we we can talk all this uh talk all this talk but uh we don't know what's going on going behind uh, closed doors they're thinking about trading Eichel to New York so that's another topic we'll talk about later but so I'm looking up line A's stats here he's had um two three over 30 goal seasons yeah. yeah, with one with a with a career high of forty four goals in a season. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so and then this year, obviously, cut short. He had 28, 28 goals in uh, sixty eight games. And that those kind of players don't grow off trees, you know. Like, uh, right. He's a generational talent, goal scorer. People were comparing him to Ovechkin early in his career. So, well, he's got that release and it's he, just he, scary how fast he. He probably is the best shot in the NHL. Yeah, right up there next to Ovechkin. And you got to remember this guy. I mean, besides his 2018 season, he's, he's his plus minus is plus. So, yeah. I mean, that's a young player playing a lot of ice time. Plus yeah. minus, you're going against that top line. It's a good stat to look at. 100%. Yeah. Actually, I couldn't agree more. All right. Uh, All right what do you boys. think? Want to go to the next point? I mean, we got some uh, some good points coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let's go ahead and take it over to. Uh, Six, bu- the thought of six bubbles in the 2021 NHL season. Fellas, what are you thinking? How did you like this year, the way they did it? How did you like the way the two bubbles for, uh, for, the, for the play-in games as well as the playoffs? What did you think? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say hockey is the one sport, to me, where the crowd and your environment make the biggest difference. And – even just watching playoff games in the bubble, it's it's just so hard to actually say it's a playoff game. I mean, granted, starting next year, it'll be a regular exhibition or regular season games, but just the atmosphere to go along with playoff hockey is just untouchable. So um, I'm going to go ahead with the pass on the bubble, but if that's what you got to do, then you got to do it. I mean, listen. Yeah, I don't want to go again without not watching hockey. Like, so, that's, uh, so I'm telling you from – so. From the standpoint of, let's say I'm oh, backtrack. It's March and they cancel all the leagues, and I'm, we're all rattled that hockey's canceled, right? Um, I think they did a, a tremendous job of establishing a plan and setting up these two bubbles for the season to go on and actually continue. Like other leagues, it was pretty much up in the air. Like MLB was a joke for a while. Um, it was pretty much the NHL and the uh, NBA that was like, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan we haven't set in place. And this is how we're going to execute it. And they did that really well. I think NHL did a 
tremendous job of doing that uh, with both the Edmonton and uh, Toronto bubbles. Um, I know it was tough for American players having, not having their families over there because the, uh, being American and you can't travel if you're not non-essential. But if you don't take that uh, into consideration, I, th I still think they did a good job of establishing Definitely. that. With that said, going forward for next season, I think doing a bubble would be a terrible idea just because they were away from their families for such a long time. I just think the aspect of another bubble, even though it's right. in a, a less severe um, environment where it's more flexible, is just frightens these players they don't want to go back to a bubble where they won't be with their yep. families their newborn babies their their wives their kids they don't want to leave them again for such a long period of time and do the zoom the zoom call family calls yeah. you know what i'm saying it sucks it's, it's a great point it's a great on point that point on that point i i, I read something uh, the the concept would report that would see players on a on a rotation so they'd spend two weeks inside a bubble and then they'd have one week at home with their family. So teams would play 12 games a month. Yeah. I'm, I mean, listen. Well, I mean, if that's on the paper, case, I think it'd be okay. Yeah, see, on paper, on paper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. On paper, it looks pretty decent. I'll go, okay. But then again, when you go to that grind of being away from your family for two weeks, like it, they're just going to go back to like being, I don't want to say depressed, but yeah, it's. You don't want to get comfortable. That's the thing. Like hockey is such a mental sport. We've always built that around hockey, mental, mental, mental. So. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's real. You're going to walk away from your family and for a sport and risk your mental health. I mean, these players are smarter than that with what's going on. Yeah, do you so, think Tuka Rask is going to be on board for this? No. Exactly. Like, He's a perfect, perfect example. Like, it's either my family or hockey. I think most people are going to take hockey unless your name is, is Yager, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, see, I see several hurdles with this, uh, with this bubble situation. One being the, uh, the Olympics in Tokyo, July 22nd of 2020 and 2021. I mean, that, that, could, that, that could throw a wrench in this whole plan, right? So, I mean, the league is considering dropping the, the, the game number to 48 to 60 for the season if this hybrid concept falls into place. I figured they were so backloaded with the two, three-month layoff that even to – get in a normal season and call it 2021, 22, whatever season, then you got to shorten the season. These kids, I mean, half the teams are playing how far into the off season already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, tough absolutely. because you want to compare it to a lockout year, but at the same time, it's a lockout year with mixed within a p pandemic where fans can't come watch regularly. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, it's just a really bad situation for the NHL and just the players. I, I think the people that are impacted the most are the players because like, they have this decision where, do I opt out? Do I opt out of the hockey season where I make my salary to be with my family? Or do I risk going two weeks away and then coming back and potentially getting family members sick? You know what I'm saying? We, we don't take that into consideration. But, like, NFL. The firefighters. Yeah. Two weeks on, two weeks off, go home. Yeah, it's. Mm -hmm. See, I mean, it's not for it's not for everybody. Some people are, are, are able to do it. You know, these young single guys may, might be okay with that. But, like I said, I, I keep going back to the family issue. But yeah. I just compare to myself right now. I'm, I'm away from my family in Montreal. I, I'm in the United States. And I think it's tough. And I'm not even, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's something I, I can, I could physically drive home and go see them. But I'd be have to quarantine for two weeks. But mm -hmm. them, they don't even have that option. It's just really like they can't, they are forced to do exactly what the NHL tells them to do. 
because they're getting paid to do it, obviously. But also, it's it's I don't I don't know. It's a very um, difficult it's a situation tough thing too with fans because you, I mean everybody hide behind the the screens nowadays. Look at Tuka Rask. He opts out for nobody even knew for what reason at the time, and people are are tweeting and, and writing this to him. I mean, players look into that stuff too. It eats away at their brains and. Nobody wants to let him down at the end of the day. So it's definitely going to be interesting upcoming season. Hopefully we can have this under a little more control by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the NHLPA um, is, is reportedly supposed to meet sometime next week to kind of open the, open the forum to talks about this. So I guess it's just, it's more of a waiting game at this point to, to see what, what actually is going to go into the 2021 season. Um, will there be fans? Will there be limited fans? We're still uncertain, um, but uh, I think we'll know a little more after the NHLPA meets, and then uh, we can potentially discuss this further. Sounds good. Cool, man. So uh, next up, we have the draft is right around the corner. It's happening on October 6th. So, boys, top five prospects. Um, let's just go through real quick and uh, let's talk about the, the let's give the, the listeners the t- uh, draft rankings. I'll name, I'll name the first one because I, I don't know if yeah, you guys will butcher say, his name. On everyone's draft board, you can go first with this one. From, from Canada, from Montreal, Quebec, who played for Rimouski, Alexis Lafreniere, left wing, played for Rimouski, Oceanic. Real deal talent here. Real deal talent. I mean, the kid's 18 years old. He's had 30 multiple point games and scored 42 points in 20 games after yeah, returning after from the returning. World Juniors. Yeah. Like yeah, that's, that's just that's crazy. incredible. That just shows the pure and in power that tournament, of him. Let's let's not forget that tournament. Ten <laughs> points in five games. Unbelievable. He was he Come was. On. They didn't make it to the finals. Um, it was a tough tournament for them, but. Wait, did, what am I saying? Did they win the? T- I I don't know if I'm backtracking they two years the, ago. They played in the championship. Uh, I don't know if they won it. I didn't write Wait that up. down. Sadly. Yeah, yeah they dude, definitely it, did. If it, it feels like a light because the two tournaments ago he was playing I and they lost. Attorney MVP. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I I'm getting mixed with the year beforehand. I'm sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um, do yeah, not crucify me. I'm. It feels like it feels like it was eight years ago. Two seasons are mixed into one at this point. I, Do you even exactly. watch hockey, Sam? It doesn't seem like you watch. I mean, I, I I play chess. I don't really I don't really watch hockey. <laughs> Nerd. I mean, whatever whatever floats your boat, man. <laughs> Who's playing chess, dude? I play checkers. Easier. Oh, okay. Look at you. <laughs> checkers, a little basic. I like the the legendary chess moves. Yeah. But uh, I mean, so. Uh, it, Lafreniere, sorry, Sam, can you just go ahead and say his last name for me? Lafreniere. Lafreniere. La, la, fre, fre, Lafreniere. There you go. There's your little French lesson, listeners. So he could, he could potentially be the uh, third player from the queue, chosen number one overall. Um, the, the other notable people, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, who now plays for the Colorado Avalanche. I Ever mean, heard of him? He's pretty freaking good, if you ask me. Um, and then we he's also right. have um, Nico Heischer playing for the Devils. Um, not a bad pickup. Heischer's done pretty well over there in, uh, he in New Jersey. He just got paid. He did just get paid for sure. 
So, and then the last Ramuski player was selected number one overall in 2005. Not a big deal. You ever heard of this guy? Sidney Crosby. Man. Not a where, big where, deal. Where, where does he play now? I've never heard of him. I've never heard of that you guy. Know, he is. I think he was one of those, you know, highlight guys just to fall into the AHL. Yeah, I never heard of him. No, <laughs> no but I mean, I, I think I think Lefrenier, 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 whatever, Lefrenier, same thing. I don't. Sorry to all my French <laughs> listeners. I am American and part Spanish and part Spanish. If you really want it. Um, I think he's going to be a great addition to the, uh, if he goes number one overall, he'd be unbelievable. If he doesn't in, go number one, you don't think he's going number one overall? I think it's like he's I mean, on every uh, he's on every list as number one. He's on every list as number I'm one. Gonna say, but... um, I'm going to throw a statement out here right now. Let's write it down so no one forgets. He's going to finish with 62 points his rookie year. Wow. How, you, how does he get 62 wow. points if they play 20 games? Of COVID. Ah, you're screwing me now. Now you caught me on. All right, yep. so we'll wait for the games played to come out. We'll wait for the games. Played Here to come you out. go. I'm gonna say he gets 0. 0.75 points per game. Okay, I like wow. that. I like that's that. Good. You're you're that's a step good. ahead of me on that. Yep. One. That's awesome, boys. I mean, yeah, we, just, like, we, just, we just we just prediction. We just we just talked. We just had a spiel about how we don't think they're gonna play a whole season. I mean, <laughs> I know. I agree, but we don't but know. I yet, think. So. So, I mean, I, obviously, we have no idea. Yes, he's number one on everyone's list, which is realistic. He's probably going to go number one. But just to keep all speculation aside, I'm going to say if he goes number one, I think he's going to be a great addition to that Rangers roster who, who's, who we mentioned all their stars, Panarin, D'Angelo, Zabanajad, Fox, um, and their two stud goalies. So great addition for the Rangers if they end up picking him up, which is realistic. Yeah. If not, he's huge trade bait. Like he's a generational talent, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying they will. But if they were to want to trade for Eichel, you just know they're they're able to trade him for Eichel. Eichel comes in, and that's that superstar we were talking about that just steps in, and they're a cup contender. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they they, they, like had, they had a pretty good run. They had the Rangers had a pretty good run. So adding adding another. Uh, talented forward who can score and who can pass. I mean, they, what, what more can they ask for? Yeah. All right, I would kill to up. see Eichel go. That'd be ridiculous. I mean, uh, Buffalo but- would go nuts. I don't know if you listened to Spin Chicklets uh, lately. Ryan Whitney uh, basically told them it'd be like the scene of, ba- uh, of um, Mean Girls where it's an absolute <laughs> zoo. People are just killing each other because Jack Eichel's gone. <laughs> and hey, I do. treat him right. I mean, given the key to the city, man, he's the king of he's a king of Buffalo. He's a king man. of Buffalo. He really is. It's not a him. bad, not a bad place to be the king of. However, that man needs to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were they were a wagon at one point. They had won like 15 games in a row. They made freaking T-shirts at, at spinning chicklets, barstool, and then he jinxed jinxed them, and they fucking they can make the playoffs. Sorry for swearing again. Yeah, if I'm in that locker room, I don't care if we're on a 20-game streak. Playoffs is not in my mind until we make it because poor Buffalo, man. Yeah. They're, They've it's, had a tough I feel like the last season. time I seen him in the playoffs, they had those throwback jerseys off. Yeah. It looks like you took it off oh your, your computer oh, printer and threw it on the jersey. Like, oh, <laughs> sweet gosh. logo. Yeah, you, you got to miss the days with Danny Briere and Chris Drury and Palmonville. That, that was one of my favorite yeah. teams to watch. Back NHL, I pick up the sticks 
I'm picking the Sabres back then. Yeah. End of story. All right, boys. Next up, Tim. I- I'm going to butch this. This is going to suck. Tim Stutzel from Stutzel. a German league. Stutzel? Stutzel? Oh, he played for Germany. He played for Germany in the World Championship. Uh, juniors, yeah. The Junior World Championships. He was a great player. I don't know if you guys got to see him. He very skilled. Um, yeah, it's uh, 6'1", 187. Yeah, and he's. He, speed, vision, swagger. This kid's got it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he had 0.66 assists per game and he was, he was averaging a 0.83. Uh, points per game, which was the highest average for, by any player under 18 in the history. So, I mean, for, for the LA Kings. Going off that to him, though, that stat, he, he had 132 shots on goal in 41 games. You know how hard it is to get a puck on that? Between getting no, I know. I know, which this, is ridiculous. This guy comes out with 132 shots in 41 games. The NHL yeah. actually had him. Their scouting had them him number one for international skaters. So this kid mm-hmm. is not going to be much of a fallback from uh, our number one guy here. So no, I mean that's why it's a close second for sure. I mean, um, especially with the Kings being the second pick. I mean, the Kings have been struggling after uh, once they won the cup in uh, what was it, twenty fourteen? I think he fits well with that type of Kings team. I mean. A big bruiser body like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they need some kind of offense on the on the. They need some kind of offense up front, dude. They just don't have it. They they are slowly becoming the laughing stock of the NHL, which is tough. It's a, it's a bold statement, but it's true. I mean, they they went from the top, and everyone was worried to play them, and uh, they yeah, were like, oh, winning a we cup in playing seven seed. Yeah, like I mean, uh, Johnny Quick is on a on a downturn, so I mean. I mean, Listen, he'd be a great addition to the to the Kings. L.A. Kings, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like you said, it's a huge downfall. That core of players are getting older. I mean, Kopitar, not the same player he was before. But with that said, he still can bring a lot to the table. I mean, I think I think you won't see them in the playoffs for the next three years. Um, they'll get collect a great amount of uh, good draft picks and good prospects. Um, and then – then in three years, I, I pretty much expect them to be back where they need to be just because they're mm-hmm. such a great franchise and they always like to compete and they yeah, are not really. afraid of trading players and getting stuff done. Um, I was kind of taken back from their trade, from trading Alex Martinez or Alec Martinez. I don't know why they did. Vegas. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. But, I mean, you got to think uh, he was trying, probably trying to get a cup and he's – He's on the back nine of his uh, career. So yeah. I, there's things we don't know, but um, I think they're a team to watch in three years from now. Three years from now, we don't, I, don't, I won't be surprised if they're uh, third in the, the Western Conference kind of thing. I agree. I agree. I mean, with, <clears throat> I mean, with this Kraken, Seattle Kraken coming in for the 2021-2022 season, that's going to be a crazy uh, Pacific division. You that's know, gonna make the teams uh even even off all the teams that are either too strong or yeah and draft, to give you, yeah. exactly and to give you an idea i mean when vegas came in everybody thought they were gonna be a joke and they were became right? a powerhouse so i'm mm-hmm. thinking but they fixed the draft from because of that they've made it a little i think they a little more strict have, yeah it's more strict where 
the amount of players you can lock up might be higher, so guys aren't losing uh, a flurry to a yeah. team that's just well. Flurry will be lost. Yes, yes, but just to say it a second time, he'll have he'll be the only goalie to be drafted twice in the expansion draft if this happens. Yeah, right. I mean, All right, not boys. a bad draft pick. All right, next what's the next up, one? Next up, Quinton Byfield. He played in uh, Sudbury for the in the OHL. Boys, what do you massive think? body here, six four, two fifteen. I mean, eighty two points. Yeah, at that size, I was just gonna say at that size, what are you missing with him? You know? I mean, it's such has- a good addition, especially for Detroit, who's who went from a <clears throat> a powerhouse. You know, I mean, these guys were just every feared by the league. I mean, well, he Lindstrom and there. I mean, that's who yeah. gone. This guy's a center. He's his faceoff percentage is fifty two percent. Yeah, put I up mean, points. Just, He's got size. Come on. Yeah, I mean he. he you was, can't teach size. Can't teach can't size. Can't teach size. And can't this guy, size, he's got it he's all. He's got it. <clears throat> Twenty-two so, power play points. Come on. So he can become. Uh, Byfield can become the highest selected black African American player in the NHL draft, uh, yeah. ahead of Evander Kane in 20, 2009 for the Atlanta Thrashers. That'd be amazing for the. Um, for the black community and just this whole um, um, the black Alliance uh, uh, group that just joined with the NHL would be great for them mm-hmm. to, to promote. I think it'd be great for the game and uh, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, I'm sure his parents are very proud and we're just, we're, we're rooting for him. Yeah. We're rooting for, we're rooting for all these uh, top five draft picks, especially coming into a league who, which is just so good. and so fast. Uh, it's going to be great to see how they, how they unfold. <clears throat> but the, the next guy we got up is Marco Rossi out of Ottawa uh, in the OHL. Okay. I mean, this guy, he was second. He could go third. He, he can go third. He can go third. Yep. And exactly. he's Australian, which would make him a, um, one of very few to go that high as an Australian player. No, Austrian. 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 I'm saying Australian over here. Geography um, lesson. Austria is in but, Europe. Yep. Yeah, we're all in the, we're Australia all in the same place. is all the way in the bottom right corner of the globe when you look at uh, the map. Austria is on the planet that is flat. So Austria isn't on Mars. Confirm that one. <laughs> no, no, but, but this I kid's mean, undersized. Five nine, hundred eighty three pounds. But he had, he's led the CHL one hundred twenty points in a season. That's crazy stats right there with the size he's got. Reminds me of a player, uh, Garland, who um, who was drafted by Tampa Bay previously. He was a undersized Q player, and he just wasn't appreciated as much as he deserved, and people didn't think his game would translate to the NHL. And today he's playing for Phoenix. He playing a huge role for Phoenix. Great player, um, playing second. You gotta third love these. Gotta love the undersized guys. Making exactly. A name for themselves. Exactly. Quick, because those are the guys since probably Pee Wee's that are. Yeah, go stick to baseball, go play some soccer, you know. But uh, hockey, you can see more and more guys that are smaller, faster, skilled. The game's getting skilled, more skilled. Uh, yep. Another topic we'll get into with the fighting is kind of getting away. So these guys have probably a higher chance to, to, to make that jump in the NHL. But shout out to all the undersized guys out there. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Amen. All three of us are pretty little. So <laughs> amen yeah. to the little guys. All right, to round out the top five, we have Dr- Jamie Drysdale, a defenseman out of Erie in the OHL. 
And uh, with with this being said, this is this will be Ottawa's second of five picks. Um, so I this, mean, this it, kid's it, one of my favorite type of hockey players. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, the man that can got. skate. He's we could say he's undersized a bit, 175, but he runs the power play like he's a pro already. His vision, his hockey senses are unbelievable. So I mean, again, getting a defenseman in the top five, we love the man going that early. So I'm rooting for this kid. He's got great skill, great talent. I think he'll fit in and be a game changer right away. So, I agree. I agree, boys. Well, uh, good luck to these uh, these top five and everybody going out in the draft um, here on October sixth. But uh, let's let's watch carefully and see uh, see where things go. And then uh, all right, boys. So now that we wrapped up our uh, our top draft picks, our top five. We're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about some uh, unrestricted free agents that are on the market here. Um, up first, we have St. Louis Blues defenseman Alex Petrangelo, who had recently just, uh, just been told that he needs to uh, look other way, somewhere else. Pack his uh, shit and get out. Yeah, because the Blues <laughs> are not going to uh, go ahead and re-sign him. So in his 2019-2020 cap hit is six and a half million dollars, and he is 30 years old. <clears throat> so I, I, let me get your thoughts on this one, boys. I mean, he's been so so steady for uh, for the St. Louis Blues, and uh, um, I, I, I don't see. I, I get he's a getting up there in age, but even still, like he, he should be a uh, he's a solid anchor in the in the, on the back end for St. Louis. What are you guys thinking? Dill, Dill, I think we're having a little uh, issues here. Why don't you throw on your camera for us? Close my camera out. Oh, yeah. There How it is. Here? Welcome back. Good to have you. There you go. Petrangelo. I heard yeah, something man. about what Petrangelo. Are you, what are your thoughts? Listen, I think he ends up in Florida. Okay. I think he's a veteran defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's played 80-game seasons multiple times. He's got 758 games under his belt. For a team like Florida, they have a great front office. They go a little deep in the playoffs. You got to get a vet back there, and I think he fits right there. I mean, yeah, listen. He fit really well with uh, – who's that top D man there? Um, they just traded him away. Yeah, exactly. Did they? Oh, are you talking about Keith Yandel? Yeah. yeah he's yeah, one. Yandel. No, I'm ta- Matheson was their best D, I, in my opinion, and skill-wise. But, I mean, Keith Yandel yeah. is another vet that uh, you love to have on your team. I mean, PG, uh, PG, I can't say his fucking name. Excuse me. Petrangelo. Uh, there you go. Petrangelo. Yeah, I can cool. say the French names, but I can't say the. Yeah, no, we got you here. This is a team three amigos for a reason. Yeah. Baby. Listen, he um, he's a vet that can is thirty years old, but he could still do some damage. And I mean, he earned he earned that payday. I mean, it's tough that St. Louis is not willing to pay it. I mean, they might they might come back and. Uh, come back to negotiation and maybe uh, get a deal done. But at this point in time, they said, test the waters and see what you can get. Cause um, his cap hip is it right now? It's 6.5. Uh, 6.5. Yeah. Yeah. I think they were saying um, that he was looking for upwards seven to nine. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing as well. So um, that's a, that, that's a huge gap. I don't know if you noticed that seven to nine, that's a huge gap. So like, I don't know if it's in terms of the years that St. Louis didn't want to pay for, but I mean, if you're signing this guy for more than seven years, um, you're kind of paying for two years that he might not be good. 
I mean, the thing, the thing is, like, he could go looking, but at the end of the day, realistically, if he doesn't find anywhere, um, uh, I think he he's going to have to take that. He's going to – I'm just saying, I'm just saying, on the off chance he doesn't find anything, um, the, the, the Blues will, will I, I believe, elect to take him back, and, and just he'd have to take a little less money. Well, listen, at this point, I'm telling you right now, Toronto being the huge city, they need – um, they need something. They need they veteran need presence, and they yeah. need a defenseman. Um, I don't know <laughs> yet about uh, if they're going to resign every every defenseman they trade for. I mean, um, what was his name? The defenseman they got from Colorado. Um, good Riley? friends with no defenseman. No. Um, I can't. I'm getting a blank here. But uh, yeah, they won't be able to resign him. I think he'll be asking for a lot, but. I don't know why Toronto's always in the mix when it comes to um, old defensemen or just veteran defensemen. And uh, I don't know if they'll get him, but I definitely think Toronto will be in the race for him. Um, yeah, Toronto does need defensive presence and veteran presence just because they're such a young team and they don't have very good leadership. I mean, you got John, Jonathan Tavares. That's unbelievable. In terms of leadership and stuff like that, but he's alone there. They got like, the offense. They need they, exactly. Yeah, they got the offense, but they're just missing the de- defense. That's actually a great, great landing spot, I think, for him. I mean, the guy, he he's plus minus a seventy-seven in his career. He's probably had two seasons where he was below a plus minus. I mean, uh, yeah, he's minus two in two thousand fourteen, and he was minus nine in 09. Other than that, the guy had plus eleven, two, eight, three, ten, eighteen. I mean, Toronto. They need help like that, and he averaged Toronto, 25 you gotta figure minutes it out. a game. Yeah, you got to figure out. They got eliminated, what, in the first round three years in a row? I don't know. Yeah, with the highest paid offense, too. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous, man. I think, it, I think it's crazy. Good. They pay They pay their top line, what is it, uh, 30, $34 million? And they just traded away Kapanen. Yeah. So yeah. you got you got to think, were they doing that to get cap space for Petrangelo? So it's mm-hmm. – um, We'll see, but uh, how about the number two on our on our uh, on our list? Number two on our list, man. He he just got here. Taylor Hall of the Arizona Coyotes, twenty eight years old, and in the 2019-2020 campaign, his cap hit was six million dollars. Uh, let me just uh, spew off some facts here, uh, some stats. So I mean, in the 2019-2020 regular season, the man played sixty five games, had fifty two points. Then in the in the playoffs, where they just did the play ins. He played nine games and had six points. I mean, the guy is the guy is pure offensive power, dude. Like he he's there. He he makes himself no. He's noticeably better than everybody on that team. Like he is yeah. that good. Um, and I I think Arizona would be would be crazy to get rid of him and or not re-sign him. I think uh, uh, Paul Bissonnette would agree with me. Um, but, uh, but the, I the mean, question it, is, is he going to? Do you think he wants to? Does he? I, I, think he'd be, I think he'd be crazy not to just because I think he has fit so well with that team. But they've kind of made it sound like it's more of the Coyotes, not that they don't want to re-sign him, but they want to be creative is what it said to yeah. get him to re-sign because they have options. They want to be able to still bring in other players. I mean, Coyotes haven't really done anything overly impressive. So There's, Apparently they're going to lose their just, best defenseman, Ekman Larson. I heard that. Yeah. He might not That's be. A rumor. 
I mean, that he might not be returning. I mean, it's a huge uh, – you got to think, is that a way they're trying to create cap space for Taylor Hall? I mean, personally, from my standpoint, I see Taylor Hall going to a team like Arizona, and I think his talents are being wasted just because, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it, – He made t- it seem like that, too, after they, they were lost in that first round. Yeah, and I, and I just – I, I, yeah, you're right. And I think their whole GM situation has been just kind of a shit show where like mm-hmm. they, their lack of guidance and he, the, the GM going back to the New Jersey, like the team he just left, they know it's just a weird situation and them getting fined for going against the rules. It's just the whole thing to me just seems like it's an organization that doesn't really have their shit together. And personally, if I'm a player, um, it's really biased for me, but uh, I see him going to a Canadian market. He played for Edmonton, for uh, Montreal is one of his his of possible his spots, spots exactly. Him, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I, personally, I think he'd fit perfectly in Montreal. Um, his speed is something that speed, uh, yep. Montreal is huge on. We love speed. Uh, I think in terms of uh, his his play style, we had Patch Ready, which we liked him, but. Um, he was kind of uh, – he'd be absent on a couple of nights. He'd be, be very good on some nights, be a goal scorer, and then you wouldn't see him for five straight games. I think I think he's a better version of Pacioretty with adds more speed, and he's a goal scorer, and he just makes everybody around him better. I just think I agree. he'd be a great addition to Montreal, and you have him first, second line. He'd be – the, the sky is the limit for, for Montreal if they can get him, but – We'll see. We don't know what's in his head. I yeah, mean, on his last press conference. So, yeah. I mean, you got to look at it like this. Like, um, the Montreal Canadiens are on the rise too. I mean, they they have some. They got Carey Price in their in their goal, which is just he he's unbelievable. That man. When you have him on your team, and, you become you become a playoff team just having on on your. You team. You have a chance to win every single night if yeah. you have him on your team. Um, in addition to just the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, the Avalanche have $22.3 million in cap space. Oof. And adding Taylor Hall to a high-powered offense that already is, is, so is unbelievable. And Landeskog, uh, Rontanen, as well as McKinnon. McKinnon? And, and then now uh, the addition of Kale McCarr just winning the Calder Trophy. I mean, dude, adding Taylor Hall to that lineup is just going to make them whole nother well imagine if they get Petriangelo as well they have yeah. they have enough money to get signed both of those players right now yes they do and then i some. think if they got them both you could just write them up right now in the cup final oh 100 mm-hmm. they, they were close and, this and, year it was just the and then Kadri came to came to play finally he, he leaves toronto and he shows up big for him in the playoffs you know yeah took less um, penalties so, was smart defensively he did all yep. the things he had to do I, I mean, I, 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 all the best to Taylor Hall in the upcoming uh, UFA market, and I hope he lands somewhere where uh, he can get some success. Yes, sir. Up next, oh, my goodness, Dylan, this is going to hit really close to home, this man. This is going to be tough for you. Uh, this is going to be tough for you. Tori Krug, defenseman, Boston Bruins, age 28, in a 2019-2020 campaign, $5.2 million cap hit. Give us your yeah, thoughts, Dylan. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? Quite honestly, I think he's going to be the steal for any team that signs mm-hmm. this guy. He is – He first of all, his whole career he's been underestimated, and he's done nothing but prove people wrong. I mean, his speed, his hockey IQ is through the roof. Some of the plays he makes on that blue line where he'll just walk the line like he's Michael Jackson moonwalking, it's 
it's unbelievable. He runs a power play like a veteran. He's 28 years old. He's done it since he's gotten the league. He can skate. He's not afraid to throw a body. Let's look at the what was that game seven versus the Blues where he gets his helmet ripped off and skates and 20 strides a guy. and sends him to to Mars. So yeah. I mean, what do you not get with this type of player? You know, you're gonna get I everything. Mean, so you're gonna get everything. I mean, the man he can he 61 games played in 2019 2020 gets 49 points. Then he goes into the playoffs, 13 games played. He gets six assists. I mean, he's just he, – he's consistent is what I'm seeing here. Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a huge loss on the back end. I mean, I know Big Z is getting up there in age. So, I mean, do, 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 they, do they re-sign him? Why wouldn't they? He's been, he's been with, Bruins, with the Bruins his entire career. I just don't what, think – he's made what it else clear do they have he, for draft picks? Or he's not made draft it clear picks. that he wants to stay in Boston and, mm-hmm. and – I think Boston has made it very clear that they love him. I mean, this guy got on the the interview at the last game and, and, you know, shout out to every interview, everybody who's interviewed me over the years. Like, how many guys actually go around the room and thank people, you know? Yeah. He clearly loves Boston. It's just the money, and he's he's made it clear that he's not going to take one of those short-term Oh, deals. exactly. I mean, why, and he's a Michigan he guy. He's a Michigan yeah. guy. I, I can see him going with Detroit. I mean, it's tough probably for you to hear, but – he hey, went to I Michigan State for four guy. years. Yeah, he exactly. And with this whole COVID thing, I feel like um, being close to home definitely comes into play when you got to think. They say the COVID, too, because of the money, it's going to lower all these guys' contracts. Exactly. The game's played. So he, if he's going to get a low, a lower bid from the Bruins already, throw the COVID in. He's not yeah. going to get anything he wants. Exactly. I just want to give up his all. stats from college. <laughs> Wait for this. Oh. His freshman year. 38 games, 21 points at the defenseman. Second year. Imagine walking into Michigan and doing that. Michigan huh. State, crazy. Like this guy, 38 games, second year, 28 points. Third season, 38 games, 34 points as a defenseman. Yeah. Undersized as they come Undersized to. defenseman, <laughs> yeah. playing Division One hockey and one of the toughest conferences in the, in the, in the, in the country. And this guy – uh, just for a total of 83 points as a defenseman playing college in 114 games. Uh, he plays so calm. It's like that's the stuff you can't teach as a defenseman, especially in today's NHL where you yeah. have to you have to react in a fraction of a second. Oh. Reacting meaning not making a mistake. So, I mean, these guys give him props because they do a great job, and he's one of those guys you should watch and model your game after if you're an offensive defenseman. So, yeah. I mean, and you got to look at it like this. He's got that switch where he can flip it and just be an absolute menace. Game like changer. You saw that hit. He can be a game changer, man. Like, he, he, he skates well. He has great vision on the ice. He, he's thinking two steps ahead before he even gets the puck. Like, he, he, he's a great puck-moving defenseman, and I think whoever gets him is going gonna, is gonna to really steal, steal the UFAs. Absolutely. So, uh, all right, boys. I mean, this one, this one is already kind of a given. Robin Leonard, uh, goalie for Vegas, 29 years old, uh, 2019, 20 cap, uh, 2020 cap hit, $5 million. I mean, the way he played for, uh, for, for Vegas in the playoffs, I mean, it's, it's, it's unrealistic to, to think that he's not going to be re-signed with Vegas. I mean, um, let me just, 36 games played, 19 wins, uh, 10 losses, 5 OTs, 
289 goals against with a 920 save percentage. Then you go into the 2019 2020 playoffs where he became the clear starter over Flurry. Uh, games played 16, nine wins, seven losses, uh, 199 GAA, and uh, 0.917 save percentage. I mean, this is kind of a layup that he's going to definitely, I, I, in my opinion, he's going to sign for uh, with the Vegas Knights. Um, at least for five you know, years. At least for five years, yeah. So I think, I think he's going to end up in Vegas. He's going to stay where he is. Um, but that, that one's kind of a, kind of a gimme. But then you go, you got to think what's going to happen with Fleury. And we were talking about the expansion draft not too long yeah. ago. It's yep. just, I don't know if you saw the picture from Alan Walsh. His, uh, his agent, he posted a picture basically. Mid-playoffs, mid-playoffs. Mid-playoffs. Why would you do that? I, 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 you got to think Fleury had no idea because I don't think Fleury in his right mind would tell him, yeah, that's fine. You can post that. He would never say that. Right. And no. He's the biggest team guy out there. Yeah, exactly. So – for uh, for his agent to post that, I mean, okay, he means he means what he tries to do the best he can for his his player, but that's not doing your player any good if you're gonna piss off all his teammates and the guy that's gonna put him in the net. So I don't like, yeah. I I just thought it was a lose lose situation to post that. I mean, you could think it, just don't say it or tell mm -hmm. people like mm -hmm. basically calling out the coach mid playoffs. So I mean, I wonder if Vegas holds on to him just just like till you said till that expansion draft, just so they, I mean, well they want to, but the thing is, will Flurry want to? Like, if you're Flurry, yeah. do you want to go back to that uncertainty that this new coach that has no loyalty to you uh, might not play you the way you want to be played? Because mm -hmm. if I'm Flurry and I'm on the back nine of my my career, I don't want to waste any time being on the bench when I'm still got some some good hockey in front of me. I mean. He, he can be a good um, goalie for two to three years. He can be a, a solid number one. And then in three years from now, it's kind of like one or two years before you're retiring. You know, he, I don't foresee him playing more than five years, um, but he's still got some good hockey left. I mean, I'm sure any team that is struggling to find a number one goalie would love to have him. Um, top of my head, I don't really uh, – can't really think of one. I mean, like team like Florida that signed Bobrovsky for all this, yeah. this large sum of money, and he's not really cutting. And he he's he's just not doing well. He's, he's not doing well. This season and he, it showed. It showed. Like you saw all the Twitter Twitter stuff about they sign him for this much, and he he lets in beach balls. Like it's not. He had an off year, obviously, but well, I mean, always got to be the most risky. And like coming off yeah. the flurry topic, why not a team? like you said, that needs a goalie, or even a team coming into a league, go with a goalie like Flair, who you know you can pay on the higher end, but you know you're going to get solid games out of the guy, you know? He's an established NHL player that – Exactly. He has – what do you, does he have three cups or two cups? Yeah, at sorry, least. It, it, I think it was two cups, but – I think he's got two cups with, uh, with Chicago. Not with Chicago, with no, Pittsburgh. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Sorry, with Pittsburgh, my bad. It's 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 one of those things you're thinking you're thinking about Leonard. I'm but, thinking about Leonard. Yeah, that's yeah. me. But um, yeah, it's you got to think he, um, you know, he's a, a a guy that he's established in the NHL. People know Fleury. They they've seen him what play for what was it 10, 15 years now? Something like that. Yeah. And he's been in the league for such a long time. They know what they're gonna get. You know what kind of person he is. And that's why I was just so surprised when I saw that picture from Alan Walsh because 
just knowing Fleury, you know he never would have agreed to that being posted. Mm-hmm. He's such a timid mm-hmm. guy, doesn't really say much in the news. He's just very humble mm-hmm. and just puts his work pants on and does the best he can every day. And when he didn't play in Pittsburgh, he didn't say a freaking word. He was just for the boys. And even in the, the cup final with, with Vegas, he still had the names of his Pittsburgh teammates on his helmet. Just yeah. to give, give you what kind of guy this guy is and what yeah, kind of just team well player loved. he is. What team I agree. Yeah. like that in the locker room. So. Yeah. I mean, so so boys, we could talk about one of we could talk about one of like three ish people here. We could talk about Tyson Berry. There you go. Tyson Kevin, Berry is the goalie I was talking. Uh, not goalie. The the defenseman I was talking yeah. about for Toronto that they were gonna not potentially sign back. So yeah, I mean, he's a UFA right now. With uh, he's got a cap hit of. Give me one second here. He has three point six seven million. He might go back to Colorado. He might go back to Colorado. Yeah, exactly. They got the they got the space now. Yep. Twenty two million. Anything in Toronto? No, he he struggled in Toronto big time. I mean, he uh, obviously he played well defensively, but in terms of points, I mean, he didn't really he didn't really generate as much as he usually does. Seventy games played, thirty nine points. I mean, that's pretty freaking good. But then you go to then you go to the playoffs. The man played five games, had zero points, and he was a minus two. So I mean, he. He is playing those minutes, but even still, dude, he's got to produce if he's getting those minutes. He's not producing. Yeah. But uh, another another uh, noticeable one that we can definitely talk about is guy who just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, Ooh, he wins the game in overtime. No, 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 no. We got Kevin Shattenkirk up for Ooh. grabs. Oof, oof, oof. Up for they got to resign him. I think they got to oh, resign him. I mean – I mean, the, after the way he played in the playoffs, like he played lights out, dude. But do you think do you think that's enough for him to get like a five million dollar contract? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be that high. I really don't. I could see him making three and a half for five years. Uh, that puts him five in- years, thirty one years old. I think people will give him a three to four year contract. Well, even still, still. So what? They go four for four, four four million for four years. Listen. Right now he's at a, a cap of one point seventy five million. Yep. I think a three million dollar deal for three years would be, you know what? Money. It that that'd be cha-ching, cha-ching safe, a, the safest contract yeah. that probably Tampa Bay can offer him. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what the market is right now <clears throat> for that kind of defenseman and that mm-hmm. uh, far in his career. Um, with the stats he's had, I mean, listen. I don't know. Maybe they can sign him for two million if it's a hometown discount. They just won the cup. It's uh, no taxes in Florida. You know, I don't. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you don't know. This guy probably loves it down there. You're playing golf. You know, you're being away yeah, from they home. They love him too. So yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a leader on that team. And uh, why change up things if you don't have to? You know, exactly. I would want to so, keep that I mean, core always together. Been, exactly. Keep the core. Tampa's been a contender for the last what four years at least. Yeah. Um, you could probably see them making another four with that young offensive core they have. So, yeah, I don't know. Keep the leadership in my mind. I think they re-sign him. I, I couldn't agree more. I think they definitely re-sign him. Uh, he's a, he's a great leader on that back end. Um, but uh, we'll see what we'll see where uh, UFA takes him. You know, you never know. You never know. The NHL is crazy, man, and everything's changing all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool guys. So I mean. We're gonna. Sam mentioned uh, Jack Eichel potentially being traded 
Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of speculation. Um, Eichel being traded, Johnny Gaudreau being traded, Flurry being traded, and then uh, a, a trade that just went through, not just went through, probably about, what, seven or eight days ago, uh, Hornquist gets traded to, um, to Florida. But we'll get to that one first. Eichel, um, realistic chances of him actually going to Toronto. What are you guys thinking? I mean, I don't know if it's Toronto. It was New York. I don't know if Toronto was going to – Sorry, uh, New York. My yeah. bad, New York. New York, I mean, I think there's a 0% chance it happens. I think it's mostly one of those things where Bob McKenzie um, tweeted that out just because he heard uh, – they got they called. Every team has to make a call or else they, they're not doing their job. They got to take a call. They got to make a call. So, I just think it was just a GM doing his job, calling another GM saying, listen – um, you open the trading away, Eichel. Like they have to listen to conversation, and the, the conversation was probably, he's to me, he's untouchable. You'd have to blow me away with what you'd be offering, and mm-hmm. it's probably probably the same call that any other GM's calling them about. Like I'm sure the Montreal Canadiens said, we want Jack Eichel, American-born player that a lot of speed. We love that. Let's go. And then they're mm-hmm. probably like, yeah, we want half of your lineup for him. I'm like okay, never mind. <laughs> So you got to think that's kind of conversation that's going around the league, and they get a feel. Exactly, just got to get a feel of what the GM's mind space is right Plus now. You, it's not never bad to see what if you know what they want in return, then you can kind of see what other teams gonna give up. Yeah, and you can if shop you know around where he's exactly. If you know what they're looking for, maybe buy him and trade him. You never know. Shit like that. You can or use that as a bargaining like chip and say, listen, Montreal's giving me. Uh, giving me three prospects and, an, and a first round pick for him. You got to do better than that. And then you just raise the price. And with a guy like Jack Eichel, you can, like you, he's literally, you put him in your, in your lineup and you're an NHL playoff contender with that. If you already have a cemented team like New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right, boys. Well, let's, uh, <clears throat> let's jump over to Johnny Gaudreau, man. Like he's been, he's been a stellar guy for, for Calgary for, <clears throat> since he, since he joined. You know, since he left, uh, what was it, BC, right? Left, left BC, BC, signed with uh, uh, Calgary. Oh, yeah. Scored his goal in his first ever game in the NHL. Yep. Yeah, I mean. That kid is. So, he, he lives and breathes um, Calgary hockey, man. He, he's, he's been, he's, what, in his fourth, fifth season now? Um, am, I, am, I, am I correct in that? Um, well, either way, either way, anywhere from three to five seasons, and he's become the face of that franchise. Like what everybody thinks of. Uh, uh, he's, uh, I would I would beg to differ. I think the fr- wow. the the face of the franchise is actually Matthew Kachuk. I mean, they now he he is. he is the epitome of uh, Calgary hockey. Just mean, rock 'em sock 'em. He can score. Spark he can. Plug. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. This guy you hate to have, you hate to play against, but you love to have on your team. He's just. A, 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 I'd say a bigger version of uh, Marchand, and he's young. He's got a, a, a great years ahead of him. Uh, you got Sean uh, Monahan, that's great as well. You, Giordano. You, Giordano, um, uh, that righty uh, forward. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, I think he's Finnish. Um, that's a great question. I got to look it up. But, uh, yes, the, the team – Looks really good. I, I think it's to be tough to keep Johnny. Um, I think they were trying to go to a more aggressive uh, type of player than Johnny. I think um, the, the discussion coming out of uh, Montreal was they were going to trade Max Domi, Ryan Poling, and a first-round pick for Johnny Goudreau. 
Wow. That's, that's the return. And you got to think if you're <laughs> Calgary, you got to think about that. Be like, that's not a bad deal at all. You got Ryan Poling. That's another D1 guy that played a great. He scored four goals in his first NHL game. Not a big deal. Just, just, yeah, literally four goals, just like Austin Matthews. Um, and then you got Max Domi, who's a great player. I mean, I love him in Montreal. People give him a hard time because he didn't do so much in the, the playoffs. And he's kind of one of those game, those guys where he can be on and off. But when he's on, he's really on. And uh, yeah. Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens market, uh, the fans, and they're the worst fans in the NHL. I can tell you firsthand because I'm from Montreal. And we're the worst. We give so much scrutiny to these players. And it's so hard for them to be successful. And like a guy like Scott Gomez was in Montreal, wasn't successful because – so much pressure if you're not uh, producing with that kind of contract people will just scrutinize you for it and it's tough it's tough and i wouldn't want to play there i love the montreal canadians but i would not want to play there if i had 30 other options you know what i'm saying absolutely and, and for and a guy I mean, like gaudreau gaudreau's sitting at almost a point per game he's played 464 yeah. montreal would need that montreal needs points. that I mean, he, he's a dominant force, dude. He's sit, he's standing at a whopping five foot nine, hundred and sixty five pounds, and he is just unbelievable. And that's uh, that's soaking wet. That's soaking wet. That's identical wet. to me. That, so if you guys want me to stand up and give you a little view, yeah, of what we got for Johnny. Can you play for Calgary? Uh, can you get can no. you can no. you get eighty two <laughs> eighty two points a season? Uh, skate around these D men like they're freaking cones. Seriously, what about but, I mean, a 99 point season just a year ago. I mean, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. He's, he's just, uh, listen, he's a dominant force, man. He really is. Just to go, just to go into to show like the the uh, the prospects we were naming off before the top five. You don't have to be the biggest player to be successful in NHL. And this new shift yeah. is just goes to show that guys like Johnny Goudreau can make their way in the NHL and be successful and have a huge impact. That was like the greatest thing about seeing him. Not only just take a jump to the NHL, but dominate. Because dominate. Dude, this kid is that small. I mean, back at, not even five years ago, you just go blow him over. That was the type of hockey it was. Now it's yep. catch up to him, slow him down, you know? You can't. All right. All right, boys. Last thing on our list here, Patrick Hornquist trade, man. He was he helped uh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins win a pair of Stanley Cups. I mean, he's got grit. He plays hard. He works hard. Um, the 33 year old forward gets traded to uh, Florida in exchange for defenseman Mike Matheson and forward Col Colton Skivior. I don't, I don't know if I said that right. Pardon me. Sorry, but, sir. Uh, there's Florida. There's Florida for you. Just thank you. Next. Watch out for Florida. Listen, I, I love this trade. I love it for both teams. Pittsburgh, you're getting a young defenseman from Montreal. Not a big deal. Um, he, uh, He's a BC guy. He played with Johnny Goudreau. This guy, such a good player. Um, like people said, he has all the tools, but just not the toolbox. Um, he has some work to do, but he has all those skills and attributes that you want in a defenseman. And I just think it's a matter of time where he clicks. I think it's a perfect uh, place for him in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh is a really good place where they, they find uh, diamonds in the rough in terms of defense and turn them into all-stars. I feel like that happens a lot with many other players, forward and D. But I just think it's a good environment for him to excel in. And I think being around guys like Sidney Crosby, your play is just going to elevate and you're going to learn so much from these guys and these veterans. I just think it's a perfect spot for him to excel and uh, get
get to that next level and be an elite defenseman. I agree. Well, Jay, like, what do you think? I mean, you nailed it saying that just going to Pittsburgh as a defenseman coming from Florida where a team has, we could say, had a rough couple of seasons playing defense and you have a stacked offense like Pittsburgh does makes your life so much easier. So he's going to – his whole game's going to open up. He'll probably be under a lot less stress and pressure. He'll be able to make plays easier. And just breaking the puck out. I mean, you hit Sidney Crosby, goes end-to-end, you got a point. So There you go. Ghost Apple. Love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love I, mean, I mean, I think I think he's going to – Mike Matheson's going to definitely flourish there because he's, he finally has some uh, some weapons to give him the puck and uh, – make things happen. Uh, it's something he didn't have in Florida, but I mean, don't, don't count Florida out everyone. Like Florida's on the rise. They're figuring it out. I mean, if they, uh, if Bob Ross bounces back and a few pieces it out. away from what they need, I'm interested to see I what they do in the more. draft too. Yeah, I am too. It, it should be interesting. The draft is exciting and I'm excited to watch fellas and uh, great. I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to Sammy to uh, introduce our interviewer interviewee. All right. Thanks, Matt. Um, I'm going to introduce my personal friend. Uh, he's from Matawan, New Jersey. He played in the, in the, uh, the EJHL and the NAL and then good career at uh, Westfield in Division Three. Had a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, I should say, in the, in the SP, in the, in the, in the Fed, and played a little bit of pro. Um, had a great career at Westfield State. I was there, and I was uh, lucky enough to, to witness it. Um, Right now, he's uh, gone, gone into coaching. Uh, my friend, Lenny Caglione. What's up, boys? Thanks for having me on. And, and Sam, what, a, what an introduction. I mean, you're an absolute fucking legend. So, I mean, always, always smooth talker. Uh, oh. Thank you for the introduction. I, I could have seen that being a little more enthusiastic for a I personal mean, friend. Like, give me a break. I know, right? Personal friend. Are you like, guys buddies or? Fucking rest stop one day, and and you know that was it. We maybe rubbed elbows going into the bathroom. That's what that felt like. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Well, welcome, Lenny. It's good to have you, man. Uh, we we're gonna get to, into a lot of different things today, and we're just happy that you uh you came to join. And uh, man, we we uh, we're looking to grow this and uh, talk about you and your program and how you are as a coach and how you were as a player. So, uh, Sam, let's get right into it. Go ahead. Um, yeah, Lenny, listen, uh, tell me about your junior hockey experience. Like what was your best memory like that you like got from junior hockey? So, I mean, junior hockey wise, I kind of, I had jumped in pretty early. I know that's not really normality now, but I jumped in when I was 14. I had just, uh, left, uh, Shattuck and I was in the, the, the prep school mindset, so to speak, not really, uh, knowing what kind of was sitting on the other side of, uh, of the door there when I entered into the junior hockey kind of world and, and uh, definitely a little bit uh, more polished than it is now in, in terms of the social aspect. But, you know, you walk in there and you just kind of see, uh, you know, I, when I had walked in, there was 88 that were the age out. So 88 birth year. And, and just to see some guys who are grown men and I'm a 14 year old kid walking around and, you know, guys are, are, you know, chewing and everything. And I have zero idea what's going on and, and just kind of, looking at that and you know you kind of gotta there's really no transition period getting your feet wet so you kind of walk into the locker room and you know you got guys who have tattoos and you know they're they're kind of moving on a kid in the stands 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, guys, girlfriends are coming and like, you, you know, they're looking older and you're <laughs> like, the only thing you've seen outside of like, you, you know, in, in your age range is 18 year olds that are in, you know, high school and stuff. So you walk in there, it's a little bit different. And then, you know, there's the roadies on the weekend and stuff, a, lo a little different uh, with extracurricular activities, you know, you kind of get to see that from, from a different view and perspective. So, but I, I think uh, the best memory was, and, and this might be cheesy, but like, yeah, I look back and it definitely changed over the years of what I probably thought was my best time, but it was just, it was definitely the culture that we had there. We had a lot of high profile guys like uh, Jeremy Bracco and Charlie McAvoy and uh, one of my good friends who I'm still very close with uh, that I'll jump in and talk to a little bit later about the program that we have, Joe Gambardella, and just watching some guys being like, you know, who, who's this kid? Who's this guy? And just to, to, to see them develop into the player and the person that they've been, it's, it's crazy because you were there for when the foundation started. So it's like, holy fuck. Like, you know, I, I had, you know, a little bit You're of, part of my it. hands in it. Yeah. You, yeah, like, you, you had know, something you had to do your, with it. Exactly. You have your roots in there and, and just to still stick with those guys and have contact and stuff and, and know that like, you know, they did appreciate the things you did there. And, uh, you know, it's just stuff like that. If you asked me three years ago, it was probably hanging out with the boys on the weekend and like right, you know, packing right, shoes right. and having some drinks and shit. And and, and that's that's. And you think like everybody. a coach now. Yeah, so I think like a but. coach, and I'm like, fuck, like I watched this kid like turn his game to another level yeah, and then go yeah. on to the next level, and it's something that you know that's that's probably my my best uh, my best memory collectively is just watching guys who are at a bigger stage now grow you know kind of grow their name in in, in my backyard so to speak at, at the New Jersey Rockets when I played there but you know that that's definitely something that I'll forever cherish and and I know like with those guys they, they've just developed into to great human beings and besides the fact that you know not a big deal they're in the show and everything so <laughs> yeah. you know but but go, that, go ahead going off of that I was talking to Sam earlier and just how he was saying jumping into a junior league when you're younger. I mean, we talk like it's a bad thing, but we all know how, how much of an advantage that probably was for you getting older, growing and learning the speed change in the game. And then just secondly, like you said about the culture, um, everybody plans out a culture in the locker room with their coach and their teammates. By the end of the year, if you sit there and you can say, I was a part of that change, I was a part of that positive impact, that's the type of teams we remember. And I think that's, you nailed it on the head there. So. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just like the, the guy that I had, uh, this, this guy, Bob Thornton, who's has his hands in a lot of stuff. He's a part of the war agency and uh, he runs uh, his summer stuff, uh, elite hockey group. Like, man, me and him motherfucked each other so much, but it was just one of those things where like you grow up, real, you know, you grow up real quick and, and you look back and you're like, this guy wasn't like trying to put back me into a corner and kind of like, you know, derail my development or have me move lateral in terms of like my, my, uh, my skill and, and my mental growth. Like he was just pushing me. He was mentally preparing me for what was going to come next. And, and like, I think like guys don't realize that they just feel targeted and stuff like that. And I mean, the quicker you know that and you put your pride aside, I, I think that's like something that lacks nowadays when I, when I look at some yeah. of the mental toughness of some of the boys. Absolutely. So being a, being a prep school kid myself, I went to the Winston school in mass. Okay. Um, I, I, I went to, I, I went to juniors for two years. I played for the new England wolves. 
Um, and uh, when I when I first got speaking to your point, like when I first got to juniors, I was freaking six, seven, 17 years old then. And these guys were all 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And I walked in with my with my hog hanging out, like, "Hey, fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna run the show here." Because I was yeah, exactly. that's the attitude you need, though. Like half the kids, even for me, when I was that age, jumping in the locker room, I'm like in my head, I'm like, "Oof, maybe I should take a year off." And yeah, these guys, you know what I mean? But that mm-hmm. attitude that you have, Tombs, is that is so important to hockey players. But to that and point, like you just said. I walked through. Yeah, but well, you gotta respect the guys. You gotta, you know what I'm saying? You gotta get a good yeah. balance of respect right. for the the players that are there but kind of play with confidence and not be scared to make mistakes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I played with, I walked in with my hog out. I ended up playing fifth line for the first like two months. <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 I walked in with a tinted visor, like an asshole. Look, trying to look yellow, like yellow laces. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, I, and then I, my I, name I, is I, Matthew Ovechkin. <laughs> and then I just kind of realized like junior, junior hockey is such a different animal than prep school is like, you yeah. go from guys who are just trying to fight to go to juniors and get noticed by a junior team. And then you have to fight once you get to juniors, like, Oh shit. Like if I want to make it to the next level, I got to beat out 99% of these kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. At, you get to college. You're the top 1% of hockey players in the world. Yeah. Level two. Like, I, I mean, I, I, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think in terms of like, is, is it true that, jump from juniors i mean prep school to juniors is such a different animal i think it's a speed yeah i mean i th- i think just to touch on that it's just you have two totally different entities and in, in the approach prep school wise and the approach junior wise you know junior wise you kind of are expected to have details and certain aspects of your game a little bit more polished you know you, you have to be more of a ready package and of course there's avenues for you to kind of you know, clean up areas of your game, you have more video, more, you know, extra ice to work on stuff. But I think just with prep school, it's just more of like, all right, we're holding your hand still a little bit, but you know, this is the type of game we want you to play. This is the type of atmosphere prep school, the prep school circuit is. So I think sometimes when guys jump to that junior circuit, it's just more of like a reality check and eye opener. We're like, you know, this guy isn't going to just rub me out on the, on the boards. He's going to absolutely destroy me and try to, decapitate me because listen he's fighting for minutes and and he could be gone and on another team or he could you know be fighting to get up and I and I think it's just a different kind of blood in the water type attitude that that guys like really don't necessarily adjust to until they they kind of accept their identity on the team Mm -hmm. I I agree with that I think I think in juniors a lot of players are fighting to find their identity you know they got to they got to determine whether they're that third, fourth line grinder who's going to go in, dump the puck in, and absolutely murder a defenseman, you know, and wear them down for your top guys. Um, yeah. But even still with that, I mean, uh, this leads us perfectly into our next segue. I mean, what is the, what do you think from your junior experience, what the hardest transition was into college hockey? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I would, and that's something that, that I've, I've been asked a lot because now that I'm coaching and everything, guys are like, you know, what's, what's the deal with this? What's the deal with that? And I, and I, and I think that it's like, what, just to touch on what you said, Matt, that same mentality, you got to kind of walk around like, you know, don't compromise your identity. Don't compromise your confidence because you're going to be in an atmosphere that's uncomfortable and you're not going to be the big guy anymore, probably from where you're coming, you know, junior wise, you always try, you, you want to put yourself in a situation where you're going to be a big fish a small pond because you, you know, you want to have these four years to develop if you plan on playing, 
after, but you also want to have the four years where you're not going to be miserable. Like you want to jump in as much as you can. And I think luckily for me with Westfield State, like I had a very nice transition, but I think for me, my aspect of the game where I was like, man, I just can't, I can't kind of adjust with this was, I, I, I think the least that we had as players in regards to, you know, the physicality, you see college is a little bit more cleaned up in that regards. There's not a lot of, you, you can't get away with much is what I'm saying. Yep. You know, yeah, that's that's that aspect of the game. Yeah. Well, that's, exactly. They're just like ruining college hockey with how they're taking these penalties. I mean, everything's a penalty, but it's not even that it's, this hits a penalty. The next one's not though. There, there's no consistency in the calls. So kids are timid to throw a check at points, or you know, mm-hmm. it changes the type of game you're playing. Where juniors, it's just balls to the wall. And like you said a minute ago, these kids are every kid in junior is fighting for a college spot. So when you're looking at these yeah. games, sometimes they're more intense than going to an NHL regular season game where they're just already made it. You know what I mean? These kids yeah. are fighting every single second for a college spot. So yeah. No, I, and, and I think another thing to look at is, like, man, we're, like, what do you have at, at, at the D3 level? You have 27 guaranteed games, I think it is. Yep. You know, without, without playoffs, higher, yeah. it's like you, you got to come out of the fucking gate where you're, you know, with, with your kind of your mental aspect and, and, and the physical and emotional aspect all, all in a row because there's no, there's no, like, ah, you know, three, four games and let me adjust. Like, no, yeah, it's, no you yeah. do, you, you know, you do your due diligence over the summer. You, you adjust what you need to in the small details. You try to polish as much as you can so that you come in and there's no adjustment. You, you have to start off hot and kind of, you know, be consistent because, you know, juniors, you have a little bit more time, a little bit more leeway with the game schedule to kind of get going. And then, you know, college, it's like, listen, if you're not working out on a line, like you're going to get shuffled around and you might not get back to that point, you know, maybe five or six games in. Now you're already 10 games into the season. So I think that's something that I watched uh, a couple of guys struggle with and, and kind of compromise their identity and their, and their confidence because they were too concerned about other people's job. And, yeah. and, you know, I think that's where kids get lost in the shuffle. 100%. That's what so, happened to me at Westfield. You still- I, yeah, I would agree. You spoke to the fact that uh, you don't want players compromising their identity. However, I mean, there are coaches out there who will call you into your office and into their office and be like, Hey, like, listen, you got, you got to knock it off. You got to figure some shit out. You got to change it up. What do you say to those who are getting those talks and, and uh, you know, they're, they're forced to change their game in, in a college season where the coach is looking for them to be a different piece to that puzzle. What do you say to those kids who are getting those calls? Yeah, I mean, and and that's a that's the other you know side of the coin where it's just like if you're being relied on to do a different job, like how how do you adjust? And I guess I kept it a little too general there with compromise your identity in the terms of just being a hockey player. Like if your identity prior to you joining a program um, in the junior circuit is to be a goal scorer, you know, or or, or a playmaker, and then you go into a to a college program and and that's not your identity anymore. Find your identity as quickly as you can on that team. And, and what I mean by not compromising it is don't try to be that identity that you were prior to that. If that coach comes in and say, hey, you want to be happy here. You, 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 know, you want to get on the ice. You want to develop. This is what I need from you. I'm steering you in the right direction. Don't compromise yourself and say, that's not what I'm doing. You know, that's, 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 that's not who I am. Listen, when I was in juniors, I was this guy. You know, st- stick to, your, stick to your, your morals and your ethics and be like, Put yourself in the coach's position. 
you know, this guy's giving you a leg up and telling you like, Hey, you know what, this is how you're going to get on the ice. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like, don't sit there and, and be someone you're not. That, that's what I mean, you know, a little bit more specific. Don't be someone you're not, I guess is a better way to put it. So do anything that you could be, you know, productive and, and, and a positive teammate, anything that puts you in that kind of, uh, in that conversation where you're productive and you're, and you're positive. I mean, how, how do you not, how do you not um, get on the ice, you know? Absolutely. No, that, that's perfect. That's, that's what I like to hear. So all our listeners out there, don't compromise yourself. Do whatever you need to do to yeah. get on the ice and get to that next level. Develop. Exactly. Gain knowledge. Well, like, that's a huge t- point, though, like you're saying. And to go off of it, like, coming from junior hockey, these college coaches are recruiting these players. And we always hear it as we played ourselves. These college coaches are looking for a fully polished player when they get to college. Exactly. So you shouldn't learn how to play defense when you get to college. You should know how exactly. to play defense. And, you know. And we've talked about this, Sam, like where we think yeah. skills should be added into a college format practice more than it is for sure now. But three times a week, I mean, these kids are fully polished getting to college, and let's work on things that helps in a game in the fraction of a second. Your hands, where your placement is. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and and like and. Like Dylan, that's a, that's a huge point. Like I think that kind of gets, and I use this, this term a lot, like kids kind of get lost in the transition. Um, I, I think that even now I find my junior guys, like, you know, a kid will be going to hit someone and he's not even leading with his stick. Like what's the first yep. thing you learn when you get on the ice, lead with your mm-hmm. stick, you know, like they're, they're, I, I use the term shotgunning, like they're kind of going up like this, like mm-hmm. they're pumping a shotgun. And, uh, you know, guys just don't realize they need to have their stick down and kind of separate the guy first from the puck and then follow through your head. So I think like the, the small details need to be extremely repetitive. And and I right. tell that to my guys all the time. I am going to be repetitive. You're going to hate the shit that I say. But you know what? It's going to be in your head and it's going to be muscle memory. I think that's the biggest thing. And those are the coaches though, that you said in the beginning. Game. You know? Always be a student of the game and, and just, just listen to your coaches. They know what they're talking about. At times you might, you might be like up yours, buddy, go, go kick rocks, you know, but, but at the end of the day, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to win a championship and they're going to do what they need to do to get their players to that position, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the best way to say it. Perfect. So um, now, Lenny, how did you feel after Westfield uh, when you decided to go play go play pro hockey? Uh, how did you feel when you decided to retire? And uh, were you excited? Sorry, excited. What the fuck? <laughs> were Were you excited to kind of start this new journey in coaching, or was that was that something you figured out figured out after you retired from professional professional hockey, or was that kind of like it's always been in the back of your mind you want to coach? Um, yeah, I mean, I I knew I had. I had always wanted to stay in the game and I didn't know in what capacity I wanted to do that. But um, I mean, Sam can tell you, I kind of was a glass cannon in regards to my, uh, my livelihood, uh, uh, staying out of, you know, being injured and stuff. I, I, I was just always getting hurt. And it's just sometimes the luck of the draw where, you know, I've, I had an MCL and an ACL injury in, in one play where, you know, I kind of got hit a funny way. I was out for a season. I had a broken hand, um, you know, uh, collarbone broken shoulder separations like and it just kept happening and I was just battling and battling and you know I had a lot of other issues with uh, with my feet my I have very flat feet and my feet weren't fitting in my bower skates and I had the bower guy come to me and tell me like listen man 
you got fucked up, dude. Like, I don't know what the fuck yeah, to tell you. You're shit out of luck. Lace bite. Yeah, like, you're shit. You're, yeah, so my lace bite was so bad. Like, I'm playing with, like, huge, like, donuts on my feet. And I'm just, like, I was sitting there. I was, like, well, I can't fuck. This is miserable, man. But um, thankfully, I, I, I had got my feet into some trues and kind of alleviated the pain, so to speak. But it was still there. It was uncomfortable. There's just so many aspects of, like, uh, you know, like the tangible part of the game with like, you know, my body and everything that I knew I needed to start like exploring other options. And that kind of came true, so to speak. Uh, this, this time last year, I was kind of in Evansville and I had a lot of expectations. I, you know, I, I kind of knew I was returning to the organization there and we had gotten a new coach and, you know, I put a lot of my work and, 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 and time into my game and stuff like that. And, you know, there's just some stuff that you can't control and, you know, I wound up getting traded to to Roanoke and then, you know, Roanoke uh, kind of released me. And then I had a, you know, you kind of sit there and it's a waiting game. Who's going to call you? Who's not? And a lot of phone tag. And then I was in, uh, had a couple of buddies in Danbury where uh, Tammy's going. And I was there for three days and I was back up in, in, in Huntsville. And I played a couple of games and was, was adjusting fine. And then I hurt my knee again. And it was just, I knew then and there, I was like, it's this is this is my ceiling in this in in the sport playing wise and I always knew like I wasn't ready to kind of close the chapter on on hockey that aspect of my life so I I think right now with coaching it was always in the back of my head because I did like you know to touch back to the junior memory just watching those guys develop and I was like you know it'd be nice to be in a coaching spot just to see that happen and uh you know on the way back from from Huntsville that day and I'm sitting there in the car and I'm like what the fuck am I gonna do you know like sitting there like driving back 18 hour ride home and I'm sitting there and I'm like a little emotional because I'm like this is you know I kind of played my last game and I'd been hurt for a month or so and I finally was like you know I need to go home and kind of get more attention to this um and I'm sitting there like you know just real melancholy and being like what the fuck am I gonna do like (laughs) you've played for so long and you have no like you are not, you're not ready right now to transition into like the society, you know. Yeah, yeah. So how many like, hockey players have that conversation with themselves after that? Exactly. Yours truly, bro. Because we're already yeah. older, you know what I mean. We go into college at 21, so it's like you yeah. graduate. Yeah. I got a kid, grad girls at our school, to Ainsley. Shout out Ainsley, absolutely amazing woman. She graduated at like 19. I'm still not graduated. I'm still trying, you know. I mean, <laughs> shit. Yeah. But, and that's the thing. I mean, I just knew at that point, I was like, well, I got to do something. And then I got a call yeah, from yeah. the program that I'm with now. And, you know, they were looking for, for an assistant coach, a young guy who's just fresh out of the game. And I kind of fit the mold and what they wanted and stuff. But I mean, I just knew like, just to kind of touch on the stuff. I, I think that I, I knew at some point I was going to have to change my game or make a decision that it was time to be done because, they were just, you know, you're always a student of a game and of the game. And there was just so many things that were new concepts to me, um, you know, new ideas, new approaches that I had never been taught and I had never been polished with. Um, Amen. You know, so, so going to that next level and I'm sitting next to a guy at time I skate who's uh, a division one guy who has a year or two in the coast and, and, and then, you know, you see his approach to the game and the way that he played and his little details and you're like, I'm not even there, you know, and, and you just got to, you got to be true to yourself. You can't lie. You can't compromise who you are. Like I said, you got to you know, be self-aware. Gotta, exactly. You've just got to accept that sometimes, you know, you reach your ceiling and there's nothing wrong with that. 
I'm happy I had the experience that I did. You know, I got my season in and in terms of, you know, I kind of got lost in the transition where it wasn't really like, you know, a, a polish type of approach. It was you had to be polished already. So, you know, it, it, you got it, it hurts to, to kind of swallow the truth and, you know, it takes a man to do it and it shows a lot of character and humility. And, and you know, that's what I try to tell my guys now. Like, you know, you just, you get, there, there is a truth to this game. You got to, it pays to be truthful. It's easy to be negative and it's tough to be positive in situations. And that, that's kind of what I, what I pump my guys with. But I knew that. That's that was why the though, like coaches like you have a young guy in the locker room. I just went through it and it's, yeah. I'd always question myself, like, am I making that big of an impact? But at the end of the year, our whole roster moves on to all these great schools and I'm still talking to these kids and they're thanking me. And like you said, having an impact on watching these players grow, I mean, it can't beat that. So, And I mean, at your, guy, at your guy level, like you. Lenny, I mean, you got to realize you, you said I'm a, I was being a sponge, right? Like you were yeah. soaking all that in. So then at, in turn, it'll translate into your coaching style. So exactly. now you have the weapons to coach your guys up and, and really get them going to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the biggest thing. It's like, even the, my short time in Roanoke, I had my, one of my D partners was uh, this guy, Joe Sova, and he was an AHL guy. He had signed an entry level out of, uh, I think he was playing at uh, Fairbanks or, or, Anchorage, one of one of the two Alaska schools, and I just remember some of the some of the term terminology and his approach, and and it's like something that like oh I know this, but his detail in it, and I was like wow, I am just light years away from like yeah. you know where I really should be at this age, and it was kind of like a like a like a self you know recognizing moment where like you know man you're you're a pretty good hockey player, but I, <laughs> you gotta you gotta find your identity in the game elsewhere, and you know and it's, it was humbling so. <clears throat> All right, Lenny. So we we just talked about your your journey. Your journey. Obviously, you made it to professional hockey, and that's uh, that's a main goal of a lot of a lot of a lot of hockey players from the age they they start. Right, they're trying to get yeah. to that college level, and then the next level. Right. So just just kind of talk us through like some people who have been influential in in helping you get to that level. Just give us a, cu- a couple examples, uh, one to two, and then uh, who hooked you up with this coaching job? Okay. Uh... Yeah, so I mean, just to touch on on you know who who was the most influential, and I had spoken about him earlier as the guy Bob Thornton. Like I said, he's a he's a part of the Or Group, and he has his hands in the summer circuit uh, with Elite Hockey Group, and you know he's very uh, he was a very raw uh, individual when when I had come across him, and uh, he was my junior coach at the Rockets. You know, I can't say his name enough, Bob Thornton. Man, this guy is. It's just one of those guys he, I watched uh, another, you know, concept of watching someone develop into their own and this guy becoming an absolute legend, just moving guys like the names that I said before, Charlie McAvoy, Joe Gambardella, Jeremy Bracco, Cam Deneen, um, you know, Kevin LeBake, Zach Aston Reese, names that I forgot to mention. Um, you know, I, Chad Chris, uh, just, I mean, the list kind of goes on with these big name guys. He just kind of, like I said, we got off to a bad start and we were motherfucking each other all the time. And, you know, I had an attitude adjustment to kind of, to kind of go through and being a younger guy in juniors, you had a, you know, have that bite to you and everything. And, and, and he kind of challenged me in regards to who I was as a person to try to find my identity and kind of find my consistency in my game and as a person, because, you know, I, I had started with him at 14 and he watched me grow up 
you know, until I was 21. And, you know, I had a couple stops elsewhere where, you know, I didn't get along with them. And I went to the EJ and I went to the NA and then, but I always found myself coming back and he challenged me to be, you know, the best that I could be, be a tough motherfucker and just, you know, but also be a leader. And, you know, he did that. I think when, when I was 18, he threw a C on my Jersey and, and, you know, that's when it really started where I was like, holy fuck, like I got to, you know, figure my shit out. I'm leading a team now. And, and that's when I was just like, this is, this is when I realized this guy's pushing me to be a better person, not just a better hockey player, but a better person. And, and the conversations that I would just have to him and his approach from behind the bench and how he saw stuff and, it always stuck with me and and you know some guys you could they might listen to this and go man that guy Lenny was a fucking prick man I hate that guy and then there's other guys who have that same attitude but then you know down the road I get texts from guys like you know I'm just I appreciate everything you've done for me kind of you know so to speak the relationship that I have with Bob and 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 I have guys who who you know I never had that 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 kind of attitude towards me and always saw what I was trying to do and you know, and I always try to be fair, and, and, and I learned that from him. You just got to be fair, and you got to be hard. And if people get their feelings hurt with you being hard and truthful, it's because they know that that's the truth, and they just can't swallow it. You know, it kind of kind of cutthroat way to think about it. You know, maybe not an accepted kind of uh, of uh, approach and ideology in, in today's social atmosphere, but, you know, we are talking about playing hockey. And at the end of the day, where you are, it, it's a business. You're going to do what you need to do to put your best team on the ice and you know, you can't think, take things personally. You got to realize that, you know, you're not the only one in the room, so to speak. There's, yeah. there's, you know, 20 other guys there. Yeah. I mean, to, to speak to your point, hockey is, you know, hockey's a tough cutthroat business. Like you, like you said, exactly. like if, if you, if you can't handle a little bit of shit talking, a coach getting in your face and motherfucking you, like you, yeah. you're in the wrong sport, go play badminton. You, you should not yeah. be playing hockey and you shouldn't be moving on to the next level. Cause it's only, you know, I had a little, a little bit more polish to me and, and, you know, because things got harder, things got more detailed and it's like, I didn't have that, so to speak. And, and when I had gone to Westfield state, I, I think I was in a situation where I developed bad habits and they carried over and I didn't correct them. Um, and I kind of strayed from the direction that I had in my junior career. But I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it hurts me to look, to look at the game now and kind of see where, you got to hold guys' hands a little bit more because it's just setting them up for an atmosphere that they're going to open that door when they enter, you know, the pro circuit where there's money involved and, and people are fighting for spots and they're going to be very caught off guard. And it, it sucks, man, because you don't want to see anybody go through that and, and shit. Yeah. Um, Love that. Well, that's I think awesome. that's the hardest thing, though, as a coach, like younger coach. I don't know for you, you your terminology and you're very well spoken, so – but for me, like at Walpole, uh, being able to give him the brutally honest truth, you know, like sometimes you got to tell him you, you suck, you know. But yeah, that was yeah. the hardest adjustment was just being so close to these kids. And then, yeah, they're playing bad. I got to fucking read the kid. It sucks. Yeah. But yeah. at yeah. the end of the day, you know, they like that. Like if the kid wants to go to college, he'll, he might give you some attitude in the moment in the heated thing. But come to practice Monday, I, I had kids come up to me and, yeah, sorry, coach. I shouldn't have talked back. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You're right, and that's that was just like the biggest adjustment for me. But yeah, you like you can't be their friend anymore, and it's like you're yeah. you're, you're just so close removed from being in that position. And that's what I tell the guys. I'm like, listen, I was <clears throat> excuse me in your position this time last year, and it's like I you know I, I I understand there's emotion in the game, but I think the biggest thing is is like 
listen, if I tell you to pick your shit up and, and kind of like figure your game out and you come back at me and, and you get nasty, it's like, all right, take that fucking energy, go out there and prove me wrong. Motherfuck me on the ice instead of to my yeah. face. Like go yeah, do it on exactly. the ice, make me look bad, put me in a bad spot. And that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, now I know I could motivate that guy. But like, it, you, as a player, you put yourself in a tough position where you're like coming back at me and you're 100% wrong. Because now like, the whole bench sees that, and now it's like, yeah, yeah. man, it affects the whole game. Gotta, yeah. yeah, why do you got to do that, man? You put me in a bad spot. Now I have to kind of, you know, so to speak, put my foot down and 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 lay down the law because that's yeah, not making day. an example of him. Exactly, this is my job. You know, I, I'm I'm getting paid to do this, and and this is kind of my resume, my legacy right here. I can't, you know, you slip up detail wise, and that's how important everything is. You slip up with those details. Guys see that. Guys digest that. Yeah, they'll eat the you best coaches get an example of you. Yeah, the best coaches get the best out of their players. Like, uh, oh yeah, an example of this. I mean, we watched the playoffs. Um, John Tortorella. I, I love. I love how he coaches. I mean, some people kind of think he's edgy and maybe uh, old school, too too old school. But I, I just saw a clip of him like just reaming uh, Dubois and just basically giving him shit for not playing well defensively. And literally the next game. Guy gets a hat trick, you know, just like, yeah, yeah. you know, he knows how to yeah. light the fire out of his freaking butt and just get him going. Like some yeah. people need that kick in the butt to just to be like, you know, like you can be playing better than this. I expect more from you. Like you need that. I mean, and I think the coaches that fail to do that, their team will fail as well. Like at Westfield, we had a similar experience where we had a coach, uh, no disrespect to him, but he, he wasn't, um, he wasn't keeping us accountable. He wasn't, he didn't have that, that kind of voice. Our assistant coach did a great job. He, we looked to him for guidance and stuff like that. Um, he, he filled that void for us, but it's just, it's tough when your head coach doesn't have that kind of presence. And Absolutely. I think that played into a factor of why we never won a, a MASCAC championship or never got to the past the semifinals. I mean, we had a great team, but you know, that's what it is. No, no, I, I agree. And just to touch on kind of, I think it's so important um, preparation wise for coaches behind the bench to both be on the same page, because if there's friction or there's a different dynamic or, you know, it, it just kind of, it's another distraction and, and something the players can't control that they waste mental energy on. They're like, man, these two guys, they're fucking not on the same page. One guy's telling me this, the other guy has this approach. And it's like, you just need to get your ducks in a row in that, in, in that aspect. And, like, I think nowadays, like, you need to be kind of a hybrid coach. Like, you can't be a full-on torch, but, you, you know, you, you can't be, like, a kind of a passive guy where you're just like, you know what, they know what they did wrong. I don't need to get on them. So I, I think it's finding a good balance, but it's also reading the room and seeing what type of players you have what, and, and more so what type of people you have inside yeah. the room. Because it's not a one-size-fit-all kind of approach. Like, you get a different group of kids that have different – personalities different uh needs and and expectations so i mean like you're right you gotta just adjust to your room bless you yeah thank you the sounds of it lenny it sounds like you kind of you've kind of adopted that hybrid style like you're able to to kind of have a normal conversation but when the when the kid needs it you're able to kick him in the ass and get him going because you know? he's been there he, he's been a player he knows he wants he knows what a player wants that's the best kind of coach is a, a guy that just recently that was at that position and knows what he need, uh, that whole team needs and expects. Yeah. And those kids know that, and they will appreciate that and look up to you because they know you just went through that process. You know it's still fresh. Those kids are going to be your best friend. 
when it comes to advice, information, you know. So I, I think having younger coaches in the locker room is huge in today's game yeah. because the old school approach, like you said, these new guys, the young kids, that affects their game. I hate to say it. Like you get in their head and who knows what happens. So having the hybrid approach approach where you can have a connection with a kid. So if you do ream him out, you know, or that kid knows at the end of the day, you know, he still loves me. He's doing this for me, not to be a dick. So. And then, I mean, you look at the NHL, I, I, I think it's the Hurricanes who have the, the youngest coach in NHL history. I think he's like 36. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, how do, how, does, how do you think the guys who are over, over 36 feel? I mean, he, well, it's a new game. That's what I mean. It's just it's, exactly it's coaches. Yeah, great, that's a great point, Dylan. It, it is a new game. Not, you know, to, to definitely, you know, kind of support you in what you're saying. Like these older guys, I, the writing's on the wall with them. Just like I said, the, the, the direction the game is going with the skill and just relying on that more than, than kind of your IQ, because you'll watch some of these games. And you, I mean, you, let's, let's call, you know, let's call it how it is. You could see sometimes guys aren't making the right plays, but their skill level gets them out of the situation. Right, and I right. think that, you know, the older guys know like, holy fuck, man, like I couldn't do that on a good day or like, you know, I can barely do that. But like, I, I think that's where they find their identity and they kind of take a backseat. Let me just kind of take in the way the game is going and just relish these, you know, last couple of uh, seasons that I have left in. But I think they realize that to be a coach in that league now, you know, you, you have to, so to speak, have a taste and a flavor for the new way, the, the new wave of the game. Like you can't be a meat and potatoes guy and go out there and, and coach a, you know, a, a player like say Austin Matthews, who's this guy who's highly skilled and just so detailed and tight and, and, and has his little, you know, his, his, his three tools that kind of showcase him as a player, so polished and sharp. And, you know, you can't go out there and tell that guy to run someone through the wall or, you know, kind of chomp at the bit and, you know, be more of a physical presence. Like, man, you know, the kid's going to go out there and use his skill. And, and I mean, why is the top player's IQ as well, just to, to kind of be a surgeon out there. But like, so to speak, to touch on your, uh, your, your point there with the younger coaches, I think those older guys, you know, they're in the NHL for a reason. They're more, they're developed character wise and, 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 you know, in every other aspect. And I think that they see like, you know, this is a good learning experience for me because, like I said earlier, you're always a student of the game. It doesn't matter if you're young or old or in between. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to say – I love to describe it as good cop, bad cop with the coaches. You like to have exactly. an old guy as that head coach with the voice, and then you like to have an assistant coach where the kids can go to and get that information where, like you, you know, they know what yeah. you know. So, exactly. I mean, yeah. good cop, bad cop. It sucks at some points, but – I know yeah, we yeah, all got to have that. our coaches, you know, punching us on the bench, grabbing yeah. our face. You suck. Yeah. You know? like, yeah, yeah, our yeah, assistant yeah. coach had to be both bad cop and good cop. He was the best, though. I, I love him to this day, and uh, I'm really happy he's uh, he got a new head coaching job. So he's, uh, he's going <clears> to <throat> be able to be that voice now. So, I mean, speaking to the changing game, like, that's going on and, and everything, and – uh, is there anything you would want to be want to change about the way hockey is being played today, or, or or do you like the direction youth hockey is going? Like, in terms of development, I mean, the coaching. Obviously, we've, we've touched on that quite a bit today. But is there anything you'd change in today's game? Um, I mean, I, I it's funny because we we had the junior game yesterday. We were playing in Connecticut, um, and I had Gamardella in the car, and and you know he's up and down with Edmonton, so. 
you know, having a guy at, at my disposal that has like NHL games where I could sit there and just talk to him until his ears bleed. Uh, and he also loves the game and, and, and everything. And we were just talking about analytics and, you know, I, I, I don't know how many years this is going to touch, but you know, some people might say, man, fuck that guy. That guy's crazy. Or I think the analytics thing is just relied on way too fucking heavy. Like, of course there's going to be instances where like, you know, you're, you're missing passes. And like, this is the reason why we lost because, you know, we're not good along the boards or, you know, here's, here's kind of a map of where we need to get better, so to speak, in a general view. But I think like these teams are just relying too, too, too much on these analytics and they're just diving too deep into a guy's game and dissecting it. And it, and it's just like, for me, it puts a bad flavor in your mouth because you know what, you know what analytics doesn't measure is heart, is grit. Okay. It doesn't, say, you make a bad pass, then go balls wall to win. You exactly. put the and get it back. Exactly. Exactly. You, you know, passion, will, any other, any other acronyms or synonyms you want to use for kind of the, the, that intangible aspect of the game that, you know, comes out when guys really fucking dig deep. I just, I don't like it. And, and Too many listen, robots. Some, some stuff doesn't exactly. show up on the score sheet. You know what I'm saying? Too many like, robots, not enough exactly. human beings. And listen, like, exactly, like you said, and, and this is just a guy who's, who, who's coming from, you know, kind of a, a little bit of an intense atmosphere in regards to, like, playing in, in – and the SP and, and, you know, kind of touching the set and stuff. And, you know, it, it's just, am I there NHL-wise or, you know, even AHL-wise? Like, I, I, knowledge-wise, maybe I'm not, you know. Do, do I have full confidence in myself to understand the dissect the game and kind of project it to guys who need to kind of be spoken to? I think that's one of my strong suits. But I, I think that we're just trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, yep. and it's like, boys, like, what the fuck, man? Like, just stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Let this guy go out there and play. What's that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and listen, <laughs> you, anybody could listen to this and be like, that guy knows fuck all. And it's just like, that's that's my opinion. And it's just like, listen, whatever happened to the days of, of just these guys going out there and just digging deep? I mean, you look at a guy like fucking Patrick Maroon. Like, you're going to tell me that guy fits in this new era, like this new wave, like, you need how many like teams that. are fighting for guys like that at the deadline? They're making trades for these yeah. guys. Exactly. Yeah. Analytically, he probably looks like a bad pickup. Yeah, and then you pick yeah, him up right. and you win the Stanley Cup because he's a crucial part of your team. And you don't, you can't measure uh, on an analytical uh, standpoint his, uh, his room presence, his locker room presence, and how exactly. a great guy he is around the guys. So you can't calculate that. He got that yeah, I mean, leadership, too. He's been in the league forever, dude. He like, won a cup last year. He won back to back. Yeah, exactly. He's eating that up too. Yes, back to back. Yeah, how good is that guy's social media? Oh man, he's going nuts right now. That's some real big rig too. Big rig. Yeah, big rig. I'm the big rig. I went back, back, back to back. Little personality like the NBA would be awesome with these guys. How many guys would love to see how? Well, even even Crosby acts, you know. Even Killer with the doc talk with the they're going around in the docs, going interviews, and they're having their own fine with that yeah their own party yeah yeah that they 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 uh the state of florida doesn't give a shit about social <laughs> <laughs> i was so. just about to say i was thinking about that i'm like are these guys gonna be on fucking floats or like and then i go on instagram and they're on the docks and there's people just in the background right next to each other like they're just on a different they're in a different galaxy right now Half those people right now. Just, yeah it's its own planet they, right now 
they'd be happy if they died from COVID just because the cup <laughs> came to town. You know, like, yeah. exactly. Screw yeah. it. The cup's here. We're going. I don't on. know if you guys saw the video of uh, uh, Corona's just non-existent in Florida. Apparently, it just doesn't live yeah. in, in, in warm I weather. Know. I saw fans just sucking down champagne out of the cup, uh, just throwing yeah. beers to the guys, and they're just chugging it. I just yeah. saw them touching each other's hands. I'm like, oh god. I'm just. I'm yeah. like. I'm like thinking like the CDC's looking at this, and you're just like, holy. <laughs> No, but um, even even still, I mean, good job to the Tampa Bay Lightning. All right, Lenny, let's get back on track here, man. Let's uh, what? Well, let you... let him talk about his uh his uh his little project he has going on. Yeah, Lenny, talk to me about that. Sammy shared a little bit about that. What do you got? Yeah, um, thanks for a, what what a what an introduction to my plug for for on my <laughs> end. Um, but yeah, uh, we. I, I am uh, I'm in partnership with obviously I, I feel like I'm throwing his name up a lot as Joe Gambardella, uh, you know, a close friend of mine, a, a good hockey colleague. And, you know, I grew up with him in Staten Island and everything. And, you know, being from Staten Island, you, there's no really outlets for hockey. There's there's no real uh, direction uh, in, in terms of where to go and where to develop and what we should be developing. And uh, I have another partner, Ryan Swain, who um, – played hockey at Newman uh, who's in with us as well so it's kind of a three-headed monster here with with the approach that that we have but uh so we were sitting there and, and I mean I mean you guys are familiar with the summer circuit Bean Town, and and kind of Chowder Cup and pre-draft and all those other tournaments and it's like what a travesty it is some of these fucking people that get these teams together and then they just grab money and throw them on the ice for the weekend. Yeah, it's, say, like, it's just, it's such a disaster, dude. I was, I told you horrible. about the CCM showcase in Colorado. Yeah. If you saw those kids skate, man, I was mind blown, mind blown. Yeah. And these parents, and, and they, yeah, just go up to any kid you want and tell it, tell them, hand them a contract and, and tell them lies. They're like, what is that all about? Yeah, know? exactly. And that's kind of the thing where, you know, when we were all talking and stuff and we had all played on the Rockets together and, and we were just like, man, where is the integrity like of this game going on, on the youth end? And like, you know, we're, like, where's the quality? Where's the, where's the, it, you know, kind Too of many egos. The, yeah. Where's the exclusivity in regards to like having a quality and high end product. So we uh, have a group that we're, we're, we're in the process of uh, kind of putting together right now. It's called the players group. Um, so what are the premise of our brand is, is, you know, let's just say the bean town for, so to speak, uh, we would, we're, we'll field uh, a certain amount of teams going into this tournament, but what we'll have is these kids come in the Sunday before that tournament and we'll bring them through a week of training camp. And during that week, they have guest coaches come in uh, to run practices, uh, D1, D3 and major junior guys. We have um, seminars just kind of touching on the certain, uh, demeanor, uh, you know, body language, culture around the game, what you, you should be investing yourself in. Um, and then we have guest coaches on the weekend for, for the tournaments coming. And like, you know, the, the names that I said before, we got uh, Bracco, Cam Deneen, uh Anthony Solars, uh, he's jumping on as well uh, to, to just make an appearance behind the bench and show these guys, you know, like these kids are just like, you know, these guys are just like you, you know, They're, they give back, they want to give back. But during that week, it's kind of, get them cohesive with each other, kind of get them, you know, on the same beat, but also at the same time, develop them a little bit, you know, have these coaches have a jump up with uh, recruiting and just seeing them on the ice and in a practice atmosphere, a little bit more condensed environment. 
and uh, you know, just just give them just give them a better chance at getting you know to the next level and stuff. But what a great idea way, that is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really taken off in terms of uh, of of the staff that we have. I mean, guys have been really really excited to get to jump on and and like the setup that we have, we're, we're getting them apparel from head to toe and everything. They're they're gonna have the players group all over. You know, we're we're getting shoes made all the way up to hats. Um, you know, so. So Go we really the Can I sign up? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if if you're junior eligible, you can sign <laughs> up. But the whole premise behind this was just like, you know, not to not to go into so much detail, but just to just to give these kids an outlet where where they're gonna have a better percentage, a higher chance of of getting, you know, whether it be committed or or scouted by NA USHL major junior teams, other junior teams, just give them a better chance. And I and like, you know, and this is something what I tell all the guys you know, all the time, we're, we're, we're doing this program to be exclusive because we want quality. We want a good product out there. We're not doing it for the money. Okay. We, we, we want the kids to, to, we want them to be a part of a brand that actually puts them first. Like, and to go back to Dylan, what I said on that, Sam, not, not just bring these kids in. Oh, thanks for the paycheck. Here, here's a jersey. Go jump on the ice. You know, I was going to say though, when, when you do those things, you get them the apparel, you show that you care. All for yeah, a exactly. showcase. I mean, come on, these kids are gonna know. Oh, this kid played college hockey. He obviously cares. I'm gonna listen. And how yeah. many times, as a kid, for me, did I just hop out the pool and go show up to my Chowder Cup game, giving them a practice and showing them their teammates that that gives them such an advantage where they can be ready on the ice and they're gonna be highlighted from all the coaches because they look yeah. ready. They're ready, you know. It really sounds like you're really bringing back the integrity of the game. Like you said, like you, where the fuck is it gone? Like you have exactly. parents going up to these scouts and talking to me, not even the kids, the kids are too scared to go talk to them. Yeah. That was, yeah. That's what I, yeah, Dylan, exactly. yeah, you shared with me the kid, the parents are talking to you more than Colorado. The I mean, kids. I'm recruiting these kids and, and they didn't even say a word to me. Their father is all right. I'm a little worried to give my kid this, this much freedom. I'm on this side of the country. How do you watch his schoolwork? I'm like, buddy, you're giving me a 19 year old probably should be half polished hockey player. I mean, I shouldn't yeah. be discussing that. I don't have to watch down his throw for his, his schoolwork. If I have to do that, what college coach is going to take him? You know. Yeah. So and yeah, it, 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 it sounds like you're giving them the the proper tools to really get to the next level, and that's that's something that I feel is lacking in in today's hockey world. And I'm I'm really happy for you uh, developing that uh, that kind of quote unquote hockey school type atmosphere where you're, you're hooking them up with swag, you're getting them all, all fired up to be a part of it. And then once you do that, you run them through that training camp, you get the best out of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's something where like, for us, it's like, so we would do that not only with just, you know, the Beantown as an example, we'd like to get in at least three tournaments for that summer, you know? So this is like, you know, at least three times during this summer circuit, we're going to do that. And like, even the day-to-day -day stuff, we have team leaders signed up and team assistants that will be with those kids that are, you know, D1 players and, and minor pro hockey players and stuff. So they're going to be surrounded by an all-pro staff. Like, I just – we sign guys all the way that are NCDC coaches all the way up to, uh, you know, uh, major junior coaches and, and, you know, AHL, NHL guys. We got Brad Malone from Bakersfield who's had, you know, um, taste in the NHL and who's, you know, that came through Gambardella. And then we got uh, uh, this guy that I got off the phone with yesterday, this guy, Corey Mickey, you know, never met him, 
just heard, uh, you know, was fed his name through the grapevine about him having a youth presence and just being a real integrity guy, kind of like myself. And I had a conversation with this guy for 20 minutes and I hit it off with him, you know, and, and it's just like, that's the beauty of it. There are people out there who do, yeah. you know, put the kids first and, and do care about the game and, and, and love to, you know, shoot the shit, but also know when to kind of stand in line and, and when to speak out. And like, that's just the, the beauty of the game. And, and I mean, uh, just having that integrity and, and that kind of energy and that mindset for my staff, it's just, you know, it's just attracting the right people. I'm dying to see the first percentages you guys have of kids recruited with that type of um, presence and, and stuff, you know? Yeah. Should be good. All right, Lenny. So now, now that we got the serious stuff out of the way, like we love your product. I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see where it takes you and, uh, and your group of guys, but just talk to us about some of the roadies and juniors. Like give us, give us an insight on the bus trips, maybe the hotel stayovers and any, any funny stories or any, any just type of great stories where you really realize like, fuck, these guys are great. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. Like, there's, I'll tell you a funny story. I, we were, uh, we were, when this was the EHL was still the, the AJ, the Atlantic Junior Hockey League, where uh, I remember one of our players had just committed to UMass Amherst. And, you know, that was a big deal back then. And in those kind of leagues, you had maybe like one or two kids per team in, in the Atlantic that, that had pretty decent commitments to Division One, And we're playing in Binghamton, man. And I don't know if you guys ever been up there, but it is nothing to write home about. It is like... <laughs> It's everybody's worst nightmare. And, like, this fucking Zamboni they had is shooting, like, just smoke out of it. You can't fucking breathe in there. It's like a Friday night. It's, like, fucking 10 degrees. You go up there. Like, I was still in high school. I'm, like, 16. I'm, like, fuck, everybody's, you know, they're going over this one's house this weekend. And, and you know, like, I'm, like, I'm missing this. And I'm in this fucking rink in this smoke. I can't even <laughs> breathe. They And Binghamton were a bunch of tough son of a bitches. And they had a couple of crazy guys on that team. And we, we were uh, – I think we were on like a, like a 10 or 15 game win streak, something like that. Something we, we were heating, we were rolling. And, and like, like I had said, Bob, <laughs> yeah, not a big deal, but, <laughs> but the guy Thornton was just such a, he was such a, a tough prick, man. And he, you know, anything you would say to him, like, fuck you, go fill the waters, kick the waters at you, like throw you off the fucking ice. You're not even getting a tap to go on the ice, kicking in the ass and shit. So we're supposed to smoke these guys. There's a couple of fights here and there. And like, no one wants to be there. The other, like, from our team and like bingo's got a couple of people in the stands there's like you know the town goes there because there's fuck all else to do there so we're sitting in there and we're going into the third period it's one one and when i tell you thornton's flipping the fuck out he's taking sticks just teeing guys up off you know all, just flipping out and going what the fuck blah 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 you know you guys got to get better and we're all sitting there like dude he's gonna he's gonna dude, we're we're done we're done if we don't win this game so anyway we don't, we don't, we shit the bed in the third period. We go into a shootout. He gets so pissed, he just gets off the bench for the shootout. He's like, you know what? Fuck you, guys. you guys do whatever you want. So we don't know who's Have going to the shootout. Oh, God, here we go. So anyway, we got to win the game. It goes down to the kid who was just committed to UMass, right? He yeah. goes down. He's skating. He falls over his feet. We lose the shootout. The oh, my God. The corner. You're fucking and kidding I, me. And everybody's kind of like – we're not we're gonna die my guy that's it this whole week i would have went in that locker skate. room and been like yeah coach we won he did yeah, won. Right then and there. umass called him as soon as he stepped foot off the ice they were like fuck you buddy you just tripped in a shootout see ya it, it was just something where it was like holy shit 
this is like next week is going to be bad. Like, like this. And then, and then what happened, like there was a whole issue in the parking lot. Someone keyed the other kid's car on the other team. And like, they tried to blame it on us. And it was like physically impossible because we were still in the locker room and there was like, and then we wound up playing him Saturday, and like the game took like three and a half, four hours because everybody was beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, like, that's, that's yeah, exactly. And we're sit- and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> like is this even hockey at this point? And it, like that was kind of my moment where I was like, this is this is it, man. This is the reality oh, of junior hockey right now. Like, Don't you love it? Got- that's yeah. So like I was like, fuck, this is fun, but at the same time, it's like. I'm 16 years old. I'm going out there and I'm looking over my shoulder because there's some yeah, yeah, yeah. who's ready to just like fuck this kid. He weighs 160 pounds. Let me fucking pop his head off and eat him. So, <laughs> you know, but I mean, th- that's one of the, the, the biggest like times I was like, I had fun and, and stuff. And then, and then, you know, you have your fun with the boys. I, I know there's a couple of times where we're like just weekends where we'd be sitting in, in the hotel room and, uh, you know, we, we would uh, take long walks to go to the store, the store to go, uh, you know, kind of have some fun and everything. And But you, you're on your phone, and this is when the 3G came out, you know, with the iPhone, and you're kind of fucking on, on maps on your phone, and you don't know where the fuck you're walking, it, whether it be snowing or pissing rain out. But, you know, you want the boys to have some fun, so you're biting the bullet, and you're the guy to go walk and, and kind of go to the store and everything. And then, you know, it, it just brings everybody closer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's just the shit hotel, like that. The hotel times or yeah, the hotel times. Like, and it, you know, you're sitting there and you're fucking throwing leaners on people's doors, and then you're the hotel yeah. calling because the, the third floor is completely soaked, and it's fucking dripping into the other person's, uh, you know, room and shit. And it's just like you just you miss that shit because there were there were consequences back then, but not to the point where like you know you're grown adult, you can't do shit like that. They're gonna be like, what yeah. the fuck is wrong with you? Like, grow yeah, up. Yeah. You know, back then you'd be kind of do whatever you want. Get the for all the stolen pillows and towels for uh, after. Oh God, we were we home. were notorious for that. We had, so we had guys be on the bus. Yeah, we we'd guys be on the bus every just the whole every row would just be kind of laced with white pillows, and then you fucking go into the locker room after, and there's just white towels. You know, especially in Walpole because you had like the chowder and shit. Like there'd just be fucking oh, yeah. white towels littered in that rank, and you'd be, you know the hotels just eating it. They just got to eat like thousands of dollars in, in fucking oh towels. And these poor people are probably like, where the, the fuck's fuck? our towels going? Yeah. yeah what is, what is another the hockey team. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we, uh, we're running out of time. I know you got some stuff going on with your family later. Just a couple yeah. quick rapid fire Ooh, questions. First I got thing this. In your mind, Sammy, go ahead. Yeah. All right. All right, Lenny. What's your favorite TV show? Uh, fuck. Holy shit. Right now I am watching the boys on Amazon. Absolutely fire show. Okay. Ooh, my brother told me it was a good show. All right. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Uh, how this, do you like your steak one, cooked? This one's coming up. This one's super weird. Super weird. Okay. Yeah. How do you like your steak cooked? Uh, rare, huge, rare guy. Woo. Boom. Only Boom. way to eat it. Only way yeah. to eat oh, it. Are, are you kidding me? It should be walking over to the table. Let's just put it that <laughs> I was just going to say, that yeah. thing should have feet walking on over, bleeding. 10 seconds, 10 seconds, let it rest, then give it to me. Oh, gosh. All right, all right. What's your dream car? Uh, man, I've, ever since I was younger, I'm obsessed with that G-Wagon. I know. I hope I get it one day, but I love <laughs> the G-Wagon. That's, I, yeah, not because of the song. Not because I'm, not a, I don't, I'm not a cloud chaser, but I always loved that. I thought it looked so clean and, and uh, you know, fresh. 
What would nice. you do? Black, black, would you do white with black rims? What would you do color wise? I dude, I you know what? I think the whole murder now cars is like such a dead trend right now. I'd just I'd ghost it out, just all white. I think that looks so clean. Ooh. That would be fresh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that would be sick. It's nice. All right. This one's this last one's um you can answer however you want it. It's it's kind of weird. Um okay. if you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would it be? Dead or alive? Like who's still living? Or dead or alive fuck i feel like people get these questions all the time and it's like one of those things you'd be like what a dumb fucking answer that is and, and nobody now, it. For it. Yeah. yeah now i'm sitting here and i'm like who the fuck man uh, it's hard because then you you get that you hear people get asked that question you're like oh fuck yeah i'll do this person and then you get asked yeah. and you're like i don't fucking know. and then the person you didn't cheat choose they message you like what the fuck man like you didn't want to <laughs> eat dinner with me I'm trying to think because you could lean so many ways, but I think like for me, interest wise, it's just like, fuck, I'm, I'm trying to think here. You know what? I, I got it. This is probably a little bit weird and off the beaten path. I would say, no, actually not. I, I'm a huge, huge, um, huge movie fan. So I'd have to go Quentin Tarantino. I Ooh. love him, man. Oh, wow. Just pick out his brain. Him. Yeah, you know, like some of the you watch all those movies, they're kind of consistent. And you're like, this is a Quentin Tarantino film. Like, I would love to sit there and just pick that guy's brain. That's awesome. That's, that's a good. That's awesome. Pick. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, Lenny, we we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. You were so thoughtful in all your responses, and and you you shared with us, and I think you got an unbelievable product coming out, and we're we're just so thankful you had the time to come on with us, and. Uh, we're excited to see where uh, you and all your boys go in terms of your uh, product. Yeah, and congrats, thank you, man. congrats on coaching too, man. Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And just uh, just a shout out to the ProTech Junior Ducks and all the boys who are going to be listening and stuff. You know, uh, keep it rolling there. But uh, once again, thank you, Matt, Dylan, Sam, for everything. Appreciate it. Love to come back on. Maybe when I got a little bit oh, more yeah. experience got... under my belt. Oh, Maybe yeah. when you guys win that uh, EHL uh, ring. Sure. Come back on. Yeah, hey, wait, if I get we'll the broadcast that, huh? Yeah, I'll be yeah, waving around the, the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, boys. Cool, man. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you.